Okay? So remember, questions, be cool, and be kind of a dick. You, here, be David Caruso in Jade. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. You do. That's good. Good morning, uh, folks. Uh, welcome to episode 25 of Dude and a Monkey. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by... Mark Foster. Indeed, Lee. So, uh, apologies for being a bit late, folks, but... Um, uh, life, what yeah. can we say? You know, Life, life kind of got in the way. My daughter turned nine this week, so... Oh, my entire fucking weekend was spent working and present shopping and then my this weekend I've got a sleepover. Oh, how brutal. Um, yep, five fucking nine-year-old girls have taken over my house. What, oh, what have I got? Oh, let me think. Uh, cinema, um, food and Glastonbury coverage and Wimbledon and the British Grand Prix. <laughs> Yay yeah, me. Uh, I'm not doing any of those things. Yay me. Sorry, I, I'm lording it over you while I'm still childless. Well, um, well yeah, yeah, because cause just give it like six months and I'll be saying, do you know how much sleep I got last night, Ian? Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so this week, folks, we are going to be uh, reviewing uh, World War Z. Um, we're going to be doing some one old, one new, and we're going to have the last part of the double in T marathon with uh, Ted Demi's last film before his untimely death, Blow. And we'll uh, also be announcing, won't we, our, our next marathon. Oh, indeed. Yeah. And do we have some sort of schedule for that? We don't, no. <laughs> we will probably decide it on the show okay. while, we're, <laughs> while we're discussing it. That sounds good to me. Um, and, and before we start, I, I will just say um, we have got a little bit of email uh, where we got a question for later on, but um did have an email from uh, Werner uh, don't think we have a second name, no. Uh, who wanted to bring to I really hope it's Herzog. I very much hope it's Herzog, but I don't think it is, uh, which is a shame. I'm going to pretend it is. Fair enough. We will certainly keep this... No, that was my response. Um, <laughs> hey, guys. 
love your no that was no I'm not even going <laughs> to uh, bloody hell uh, but yeah um, Werner was uh, pointing out that apparently the music gets a bit loud and overpowers us at times at the start of the show uh, thank you very much for letting us know Werner um, yeah. we will pay, we will pay attention to that more in the future but I, I have already emailed Werner to say so as well uh, but yeah okay so let's get into it so let's warm up then uh, or have we got anything else uh, no, um, I mean, obviously we'll do the um, customer shout out. Uh, if you've got any feedback to the show, um, doodlemonkey at gmail.com, at doodlemonkey on Twitter, um, at Ian Lauren on Twitter, at doofuzz on Twitter. Um, um, iTunes reviews always greatly received, but we'll repeat this again later on in the show. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I'm actually going to have a look at the iTunes because I never have looked at iTunes reviews for us. I'm sure you do, oh, but. We have a few, actually. It's, it's, it's amazing. That's nice. I bet there's some like only only like five of them from me. That's good. That's good. That's promising. Um, uh, one of those is a really bad one. What? And one of those is like a really bad oh, review. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> um, okay, so the US iTunes store. No reviews from the US. Oh, Shocking. come on, our American brethren. Come on. Shocking. I know. I know there are Americans listening to this. I know there's a lot. So, uh... A, like, at least 12 of you. <laughs> yeah, which to us is a lot. Uh, let's have a look at the UK store. What have we got? Come on. There was, there was a couple when I looked the other day. I left them all, left them all retracted everything they said. Oh, bless you, Noel. Bless you, Steve. And, uh, Stitch1. Uh, don't know who that. Oh well, I don't know who that is, but thank you very, very much, uh, Stitch One. So uh, yes, thank you, folks, and uh, yes, yeah, so and more would be uh, very muchly appreciated. And for some reason, they don't have our artwork on there, which is odd. I have to look at that. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, Mark, what trailers have you been watching this week? Well, um, there has been quite a few out um, this past few weeks, hasn't there? Uh, let's be honest. There's one that stands out above all. Uh, landed on us by surprise. Um, uh, what was it? I think was it last Thursday. Uh, the magnificent trailer for the uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Ah, oh, of course, yeah. Um, which looks very much like it's Scorsese in Casino, Goodfellas territory again, where he's making a, a film with quite serious undertones about these people who really were not supposed to be like they're the villains but he's going to make them so charismatic they're going to get on board for them, for them and actually forget that these are actually the bad guys um, and it, I mean it looks magnificent you know we've said we said it about DiCaprio a few weeks ago how he's just on a different plane to everybody else at the moment uh, McConaughey has always been an actor I've always had a lot of time for uh, even when he was doing his um, his rom-com films they all, I always found him quite a he's quite a, a nice presence to be in cinematically um, very glad that he's decided to you know go right I've made a lot of money I'm just going to do films that I want to do now because the McConaughey that I always had in my brain before this the film that he's made in the past two or three years was always uh, McConaughey from Dazed and Confused and McConaughey from Lone Star and things like that so it's nice that he's come back 
into that. Uh, Jonah Hill continues sort of to not just live in that comedy circle, and he's actually going out and doing stuff a little bit sort of different and a little bit um, more depth than you know other people that hang around in that kind of group. Uh, but what is just truly amazing about this is that trailer is it's made by a guy who is now 70 years old. By the time the movie comes out, the guy will be 71 years old and he's still making something that looks as fresh and as unforced and like he's he's made it and you know it's got the the hip hop soundtrack um over the top of the trailer but it it's like he's put that there because it fits the movie not because it's hip not because it's cool at the moment to have that it's just it's amazing that this is a guy who has been so strong for nearly 50 years now it is really is unreal how good Mike Scorsese is. I know I haven't seen the film yet. It might turn out to be terrible, but let's be honest. Scorsese very rarely lets us down. True that. Um, and what else? Um, watch the uh, Thanks for Sharing trailer today. I'll only say that again because I could just said to Ian off air. Uh, I currently, when I'm sort of going over the trailers, just to remind me of what I've had, I have um, the movie trailers clips page open to remind me of what's on there. At the moment, I have Gwyneth Paltrow staring at me seductively um, in her underwear, and it's glorious. Um, I um, it, it looks interesting for the fact that it's got Mark Ruffalo and Gwyneth Paltrow in it. Beyond that, not really that bothered. Um, have you seen it? Yeah, from the co-writer of The Kids Are Alright, does not inspire yeah. anything in me. No, it doesn't at all. Um, the uh, trailer for Jobs... Um, I like the look of it. I like biopics, to be honest, um, which we'll come to in a marathon film later on. Um, I know it got panned at um, Sundance. Was it? It got panned at? Yeah, it? yeah, it didn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it didn't get very good reviews. It's either there or South by Southwest. Yeah, um, but to be honest, I read absolutely nothing into that. Um, I read nothing into any of these reviews because a lot of it could just be anti-Apple backlash. Um, That's true. So, fuck it, I'm, you know, I'm not chomping at the bit to see it, but um, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, it gives you good insight into, you know, one of the great minds of our generation, I think. Mm. Uh, the Counselor. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, I'm up for it. It's just, you don't, don't give away a lot in the trailer. Um, but, you know, Colin McCarthy, Michael Fassbender, Brad Pitt, and you know, yeah, I'm sold on that. Just on that alone, not even really Scott can put me off. Um, oh, what else have I watched in the past uh, few weeks? Uh, the past week, so uh, I think that is oh Lego, the Lego movie trailer. Yes. Um, yeah, is all I can say. Looks looks great. Um, you know it's. I've liked their output so far. Uh, I think it, it it could just be really fucking stupid. I have a feeling it will absolutely bomb and people will hate it and I will laugh my ass off all the way through it. I agree, to be honest. Um, I really... I like... I like how it looks like stop motion but isn't as well. Yeah. Like, that. That that's wicked. Um, 
even though I would have loved to have seen him do stop motion, but that would have been ridiculously difficult. Um, it, it does it does look like the guys who did Twenty One Jump Street doing a kids film. Mm-hmm. It looks like the guys who, who did the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs doing another kids film. Yeah, it, it, they, they they are as auteurish a pair of comedy directors as I think you could get at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree with that they are so on the ball, and like you say, you, you can instantly pick out. And the fact that they've jumped from from doing um, an animation film to doing a live action film, and then jump back into an animation film, mm-hmm. and they're going to jump back into a live action film after that, and it, it really just seamlessly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it does look, you know, and the, they're not hiding the fact that they're going to use all these recognisable Lego characters. And, you know, they're probably going to riff on um, certain films, like the Batman thing mm. will very much heavily riff. But I have a feeling that it won't be spoof. It'll be more nods in directions yeah. rather than outright mockery, yeah. uh, which... Let's be honest. The amount of shite we've had of, of, of supposed satirical films nowadays uh, have ruined um, spoof and mockery. Really. Mm. Uh, other than that, uh, I haven't really watched anything else trailer wise. Don't think. No, I haven't. Okay, I'll go through some. Yeah. Uh, I'll be very quick. Um, Let's so see. Yeah, we already talked about. That. We already talked about that. Anchorman: The Legend continues. Um, yes. Uh, I knew I'd forgotten one. <laughs> him asking a bunch of uh, you, could you, one of you convicts, pass me the mashed potatoes. <laughs> I'm all over that, to be honest. Uh, that, I, that's going to be amazing. I, I am convinced Anchorman Two is going to be amazing. Uh, Crystal yeah. Fairy, uh, uh, sorry, did you want to say something? Yeah, um, I, I was. I think I was a little bit worried um, about Anchorman Two just because of how you know how much I enjoyed the first one um, that. Maybe it, it just wouldn't fly right for the second, but after that trailer, I'm very much, you know what? Oh, fuck it, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Christopher Ferry and the Magical Cactus, starring Michael Serra. Um, I don't know. The trailer seemed a very like just random little bits of scenes stuck together. It didn't really feel like a trailer. I'll watch it, but uh, trailer's not great. Uh, the Spectacular Now. Uh, which does look like this year's kind of 500 Days of Summer. I believe some somebody who wrote 500 Days of Summer might have written it or something. Uh, it got good word out of Sundance, though, so I'm looking forward to it. Even though Miles Teller, the lead guy, I don't like him. I don't like his presence. But then again, before Perks of Being a Wolf Hour, I didn't like Logan Lerman either, and now I quite like him, so we'll mm. see. Um, uh, Drinking Buddies, uh, which looks... All right, I suppose it's not. Does it look like? Does, does it look like uh, Anna Kendrick's going to be a douchebag again? Uh, the past few films I've seen her in, she's been a douchebag. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so I don't know. It looks okay. Uh, Prince Avalanche, the new da- uh, David Gordon uh, yeah. film, uh, looks all right actually. I'm I'm all right with seeing those two characters just kind of hanging out and chatting for an hour and a half. That's fine. Yeah, um, I, I I I watched it thinking this looks like it's going to be oh quite all right actually <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um, Hell Baby which looks like hammered shit um, and Sorry, like, Hell Baby what's this uh, it's from the guys who did Reno nine one one oh um, it, it stars uh, Rob Corddry and Leslie Bibb 
Um, yeah, the trailer's terrible. It, it, uh-huh. it like it, 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 it basically. I mean, I, I actually didn't hate a haunted house, but it feels like people would react to this trailer the same way they do a haunted house if it wasn't for the fact it was these guys doing it. It's a bad trailer. Alright, I'll give it. I'll give it a watch. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And finally, just before we went on, uh, watch the trailer for Escape Plan. Uh, um, formerly known as the tomb, which I oh, Stallone and Schwarzenegger. I um I would watch this now. Double uh, boner. I, I can't wait to watch that trailer. Yeah, uh, it, the, that f- film looks like an awful lot of fun. As long as it is fun, I, I think that film's going to be a home run. So there we go. Uh, and that was it for trailers, I believe. So let's get into it. Let's have a clip from World War Z, uh, Z, whatever you would say, and we'll get into it. Look, we don't know what we're walking into, so we do what they say. Okay. They move, we move. They stop, we stop. If things were to get crazy, just focus on their boots, focus on their voices, and we'll be all right. Mm-hmm. These guys are hammers, and to hammers, everything looks like nails. I heard that. You were meant to. So you see something that's important, you call it out. We'll make it happen. Okay. You think we're going to find anything? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to find something. Right. Um, okay, so that was a clip from World War Z. Uh, the, you know, very much troubled uh, production uh, directed by Mark Forster, uh, starring Brad Pitt and a bunch of other people, essentially. Uh, and Matthew yeah. Fox as Parajumper. Uh, yeah, that was a fucking bizarre one. Oh, do you not know the story behind that? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, um, you can come to that later if you want. Yeah. yeah. No, God. Yeah, we'll get into that then. Um, so, World War Z, kind of based on the book as far as the title goes, by Max Brooks and maybe a few bits of dialogue. Mark, you saw it last night as we recorded. Did you see it 2D or 3D? I saw it in 2D. Um, two, well, a few reasons. One, uh, I forgot it was even in 3D. Uh-huh. Uh, and then about halfway through it, I remembered, I'm sure this is in 3D. And then looked at it and thought, do you know what? I can't see any point so far. And I was about an hour in where I would have gone, oh, that would look good in 3D. And I, I completely forgot it was even available in 3D. Yeah, um, I that I didn't see it in 3D, and um, yeah, I, I'm very, very glad I didn't see it in 3D. I bet it was a mess. Uh, what did you think, Mark? Um, I was very um, nonplussed by the idea of uh, World War Z. I mentioned on this podcast um, early in earlier episodes. How I just I didn't see how it would work, um, wasn't that bothered by it or anything. And then I saw the theatrical trailer in the cinema um, and saw the the scope they were going for, um, the fact that it's a lot of wide shots and you know they were going they were making it look big. They were making it look worldy, like they were building a world within this this world. Um, and that made me go, do you know what? Yeah, I'm on board. Um, so I went into it yesterday, kind of looking forward to it. I had heard a lot of people slag it off, but I also heard a lot of people say that it was it was good. Um, 
Well, I've never mentioned heard anyone mention about it being a zombie movie. And it's quite clearly, it's not a zombie movie. It's a survival movie that happens to be zombie-based, kind of. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I thought it, it gets its tension from the start. It throws you straight in there. And it, its attempt is to keep you at a certain level of, of kind of tension and tensed up and then just every so often just release it a little bit to let you kind of slow down and then just go back up again without resorting to having loud noises and just pointless stuff and just over-egging it. It, it. it was very well sort of balanced. And for a, you know, a production that was as troubled as it was, or reportedly as troubled as it was, um, I, I thought it was great. Nice. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm pretty much there as well, actually. I'm, I do think the film has problems. Oh, it certainly has problems, yeah. Uh, question. Yeah, no, absolutely. But um, it, it's probably one of my pleasant surprises of the year, frankly. Um, if not the pleasant surprise of the year. Um, it all felt, it all flowed absolutely fine for me. Um, which, which, when we get into what the third act was going to be, you'll see why I'm bringing that up. Um... I, yeah, the intensity level I thought was really well handled. It keeps you on edge for pretty much the entire thing, um, and I, 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 I don't know that I thought, but in a way where I also didn't really want it to end. Um, mm. I was, I was very ready for this film to be longer. If it went on an extra half hour, I think I would have been all right with that. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, I, I'm. Well, we had this discussion a couple of podcasts ago. I'm astonished that it's under two hours long. You know, even before going in, uh, I'm astonished it's under two hours long. It's almost unheard of uh, for a movie of this budget to be, you know, I know a lot's been made of the budget, but even if we go on the um, the original planned budget of $125 million, and it's still very rare you get a, a movie that's over $100 million that is not over two hours long. Well, how long is it? It's uh, 116 minutes. Is it really? Yeah, it's under two hours. Is it really? Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's, I mean, it huh. flows by as well, uh, which kind of helps it along, you know. But yeah, I, I quite easily could have watched it for another another half an hour and at no point looked at looked at my watch. Yeah, no, because, I mean, an awful lot happens. An awful lot happens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, and, and, I mean and maybe it's because of the fact that it's constantly jumping locations that might might be something to do with that. But the I like the way that it is, it's not about directly going at the zombies or anything like that. It's trying to avoid them and... It's investigating what is causing it, and I, I like the I, I like that it's him trying to find the patient zero and trying to find you know and following that chain. Um, you know, it, it's more interesting than just you know we're going to try and kill the zombies by firing at them. You know, mm. which it you know I mean like to be honest, it, it does feel like this could have been that you know World War Z. It could have just been like. 
it could have just been um, army against zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But it, it, it's it's I'm not going to say it's super super intelligent, but I think it, it's trying to go for something a bit a bit smarter than that. And um, I, I I did appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, like I say, the level of intensity keep, it keeps up very well. Um, you know, thanks to some decent music by both Marco Beltrami and Muse. Mm. Uh, I, I think you could tell the musy bits when they were there. You, you, you definitely could. It was very strange that it was credited uh, credited as Matthew Bellamy and Muse. Yeah, like additional music composed by Matthew Bellamy, performed by Muse. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's. Yeah, that is interesting. But then again, I mean, like, if he actually did the music, like, wrote the music... That's suppose, then... yeah, he, 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 he does that in the band. He writes all the music and the lyrics and everything like that, and then they, 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 they're a band, they play it. So, yeah, I suppose there could be some kind of... It could be one of those things where it, that could even be a ridiculous kind of Oscar thing or something like that. Yeah, yeah, quite, quite. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, but... Um, I suppose, I mean, if we just go through the film chronologically, it probably makes sense. Yeah, it makes more sense for the film like this, yeah, certainly. Yeah, and uh, spoilers all the time, folks, but I'm sure most of you have probably seen this by now. Um, so, yeah, it starts off in uh, Pittsburgh and with the, like, establishing the family, which apparently was part of the reshoots. Uh, the film initially apparently started in the traffic jam. All right. Uh, which is interesting. Um, and, yeah, the, the that whole Pittsburgh sequence and then going to Newark. Uh, yeah, really interesting, I thought. The the way that it all builds and builds and builds, you know, where, you know, first of all, you've just got coppers, like, saying, look, stay in your cars, and then there's cars crashing through, and then there's a big truck, like, full, like, flipping over and, yeah you know and then it and like there, there was the one shot of like the person in the truck had become a zombie by the looks of it and that is why like because i could see you could see like yeah it, it was just yeah i mean i'll be honest these were the moments the, that bit was moments where some of the, the biggest issues um with the the kids just screaming and the one hiding behind the, the chair it just felt like that was written by somebody who clearly doesn't have kids. That's interesting, because that was part of the uh, Damon Lindelof rewriting well, that, stuff. that really doesn't surprise me. I, I believe, I believe. You could literally, in the back of my brain, hear a clang every time a Damon Lindelof bit happened. Uh, there was so many of them where my brain went, that was Lindelof then. That was Lindelof. It, it, it's becoming a, a little... A, a little sort of almost a little twinge in my brain where it, it can kind of sense that something Lindelof's happened um, and that was that did just screech of his and the kids will do this and then they'll scream and they'll, they'll she'll get out of the seat and she'll sit behind the chair in the footwell uh, it just it, it felt having been in a car with a child and um, and had an accident in a car with a child, they don't react like that. There's an absolute fear, and if you ever see a child completely scared, they just freeze, because they don't know what to do. Yeah. They haven't had that life experience that tells them to do anything other than look at you for what to do. 
because you, it, for a child, the the biggest comfort in a child's life is a parent, yeah. and so they freeze. They don't. They absolutely do not sit and just scream. They just don't do it. Uh, and that at that point, I was going, "Oh, I really hope the kids aren't in this very much." But okay. yeah. that was my only really big issue with the film. And that's a really, really small portion. Yeah, well, so, when, when that's your only really, really big issue, that's quite yeah. something. Um, yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, like, it, the, the Pittsburgh stuff, I mean, it, it's it's well done. I think that whole kind of, like, the children's toy counting the seconds it takes for somebody to become a zombie. Yes, uh, very that, clever. Yeah, that, that was a cool touch. Um, and yeah, it just, it kind of ki- it kicks off the intensity, which... Um, uh, holds for most of the, uh, you know, most of the film really. I mean, like you say, there there is some downtime, and you know, in the uh, Israel bit, um, it, it certainly there is like a good ten minutes where it is just them kind of like chatting. Um, but, but I think you, you need that in in these type of movies where you need that moment for the audience to kind of go, oh, and sort of stop and have a drink and just kind of just just sort of lose, just kind of tilt that uh, that attention away just for a few seconds before it goes again because you know not a lot of people are used to intense movies for like two hours yeah yeah quite um yeah i mean that, that that's the thing i mean like for a lot of people this is going to be the first like horror film they've seen in quite so in quite some time just because mm. you know it, it is getting people in with the the, the action stuff and i mean I, I mean i will say i there was I thought there was actually more horror elements in this film than I expected and in the first 20 minutes or so like I was like because Donna went with me and because she's read the book and whatnot and she I kind of thought we might have to leave because she was getting very 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 tense especially during the um, trying to sneak out of the uh, the apartment in Newark mm. to the helicopter like that that is it is. It's, it's a very well done, very well done sequence. Uh, and the moment Pitt runs out of the onto the roof and runs to the edge of the thing, and you think, "What's he doing?" And then you realise that he's counting. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant little scene. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is the kind of the, the, the slightly quieter moments within the chaos actually make those those sequences work very well. Um, now. Then after that, you've got the the ship. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, one thing I will say: um, Brad Pitt's character. I mean, like his family. They are like they are too clean a family unit. I think. I mean, his wife like has a few reservations about him about him going, but aside from that, there's not really that much to it. And I mean, like after to be honest, after the ship sequence, do we even see the kids again until the end? Not, not, not in any actual kind of um, tangible way. Really, we see the only bit is where they're in the food queue, and the little girl says, "I don't like this water," and one of the um, soldiers says, "That's because it's got jet fuel in it." Um, and she says, "Oh, he's only joking, honey." And the other guy behind him says, "No, it does have jet fuel in it. Yeah. Uh, there's too many people on this to purify quick enough." Yeah, um, 
And that's to lead into the fact that she then, that's when she realises, shit, if he don't come back, we're gone. Yeah. Yeah, which, um, I don't know. That, I mean, and again, I mean, that's one thing later on that you're like, they're, they're very quick to just go, oh yeah, he's fucked, right, we need him off. Yeah, and, and he's very quick to kind of just accept the fact that they're gone later on, instead of saying, no, if you want me to do this, you get them fucking back. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's that, that's the thing. I mean, I think that stuff which is kind of interesting, the idea of, like, is there space on the, on the ship? I suppose the film doesn't really have the time to really go into that, but it, it's kind of... It, you get the got, feeling, though, at, at that moment when he says, when they basically say, look, you're either useful or you're off the, the ship, and he, he says that, you get the feeling that there, he would have he said, I'll go, I'll do this, but on the understanding that if I don't come back, they stay here. Yeah, yeah, no, abs- absolutely, abs- yeah, um, and that's a bit. I mean, the film doesn't really um, explore that. It, it kind of gets to, it, it gets too much focus. Well, not too much focus because I, I suppose it makes sense, but um, focused on the the zombie stuff. So I mean, like they, they go to they go to South Korea. You got Dave, David Morse cameoing, cameoing, uh, James Badgedale essentially cameoing. Yeah, he don't. He, he never gets enough time in films. James Badgedale. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Um, even though it kind of feels like he's going to have his moment sometime soon, though. He, he's To me, he's kind of like Aaron Paul in that extent, even though I suppose Aaron Paul's got Breaking Bad, but um, where he is building up a nice head of steam, I mean, quite literally in Iron Man 3, really. But, um, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, you've got that bit. And, I mean, it's, I mean, again, it's all right. I mean, they're, they're, it's some of the only, like, really dark, 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 dark sequences in the film, like, visually... Um, and I, I like that the, the rain as well. Even though, again, and it is another niggle with the plot. Um, if he's supposed to be keeping quiet, how the fuck does he not turn that phone off? Well, yeah, that was a little bit. It, it was you could see it coming a mile off as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that 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 was brutal. Um, you know, but it was it was a little bit. And also, phones do have a silent setting. Yeah, yeah, quite. I mean, that's the thing. There are just little narrative clunks like that every now and then. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that. But I think that sequence is is well done overall. Mm. Um, but then we go to Israel, and you've got the guy talking about the tenth man, um, and again, the people all singing and the loudspeakers and the loudspeakers making you, the people. You think at that point, Brad Pitt would have kind of gone, "Whoa!" That you do realise they're attracted to noise. Maybe that's a little bit loud. You know, and the fact that he, he does sort of start to realise realise that. And I thought that kind of sequence was quite clever, the fact that you, that it isn't just they make this human pyramid, essentially, to climb up it. The fact that it starts to build up and build up and build up. Um, it, 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 all, it, it does... The thing is, is you, you're at a level at that point where you're probably... Uh, if you're on board with it, if you're not on board with it, you're not going to, you know, by that point, you're not going to be, you're already going to have, it's already going to lost have lost you if you're not on board. Um, if you are, you're a little bit kind of too tense and a little bit kind of too involved in it at the time to realise, well, that's a bit silly. Um, you kind of watch it going, you know, it gets you in the moment. And that very much does the fact that you can see it all from the outside. 
and it's all these very big swooping wide shots to show the scale and the scope of all this is very well done and it, it works very well and it looks very real yes uh, yeah absolutely um and I, I mean one of the great things about it the the idea of the zombies swarming yeah and, and, and using it's... each other's bodies to like pile up and pile up and pile up that's 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 a really, really, really nice touch. It's a good idea. It's something that's not really been explored, the fact that they would be able to do that because they're no longer living, essentially. They, they don't have to worry about getting crushed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's That that whole thing I, I, I thought was quite interesting, and it would be, if they do do sequels, it would be interesting to see like the zombies almost inadvertently like become some sort of organized army just through that kind of shared necessity to just infect others or something that mm. that 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 could be something they could build up on um so uh, yeah i mean so we got that and then um okay and then and then you got the airplane sequence um which is the first basically in the original version of the film they get on a plane and it lands in russia and then uh, it lands fine. So this is actually part of the reshoot stuff. Um, because there's I, no... Sorry, go on. I thought the arm chopping scene was very good. The fact that he does it without blinking. Oh, yeah, no, that was fantastic. It yeah, was yeah. Because at first you realised and thought, what's just... Holy shit, he's cut her arm off. Yeah. Because like, it, it happens so quickly. It's like, gets bit, he looks at it, bit, and then all of a sudden... She's screaming, looking at her arm, and you're thinking, did he just... Shit, he just... Well, clever fucker, but wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so... Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, then you've got the... Uh, the plane sequence, uh, which is... chucking a grenade in a plane. It's a... He kind of does look at the... Um, at, at the... Um, Israeli soldier as it's designed to say right we either get eaten or we try this and then it's like a it's kind of nods doesn't she it's very much a do you know what we either get we either die by being sucked out on a plane or we get eaten let's give it a go yeah I I don't know I wasn't yeah, I still wasn't thrilled with, with that. It just like, what did he think was going to happen, and the fact that they're the only two to survive. I, I, I think I think he thought exactly that was going to happen because he's the, they're, they're the only two who are going to get themselves strapped in in time. Mm, maybe. Uh, I think I I I I, I, I didn't have that much of a problem with 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 that. Maybe with them to survive in the actual crash. Fair enough. I but, think it's the combination of those two facts. But it, it's one of those things where you've got to you've got to allow for the fact that it, it you know logic has to bend a little bit in, in any film world because otherwise you know yes they probably both wouldn't have survived the crash. But if we worked in what probably wouldn't happen, then you know this is a fucking film called World War Z. And the Z essentially stands for zombies. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, all right, fine. Um, uh, and I, I will say as well, actually, in my screening, um, when Cardiff got mentioned for the first time, 
there were cheers, and apparently there have been. Che- I've seen tweets from people in Wales where there have been quite a lot of screenings with cheers in when Cardiff is mentioned. Um, really? That that I mean, I, I, I will I will come to a mini rant at the end of this, uh, but that had kind of that had pissed me off. I I was I was all right with that just because people seem to get genuinely excited because you know Cardiff doesn't get mentioned in a lot of films. Um, I, 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 it was just that and like people just kind of like there was a little bit of a buzz in the room. Uh, I, I I I must say so. Um, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I I I I, I was all right with that. But then um, incredible grump in cinemas there, so Yeah, I mean, usually I am, but I just I you know like people seemed really into the film anyway, and like that just kind of added to it. It was actually a really good like cinema experience, I must say. Um, but. <laughs> Mine was the complete opposite. Oh, shit. Okay, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. So now now we've got the third act, which was completely rewritten. The original third act, uh, it's quite long to get into, but basically it sounded miserable. Um, if you go on movies.com, Mark, um, it's pretty much yeah. been their most popular article all week. Uh, it's like a two-page thing about what the original ending was, and it sounds depressing as shit. I, I, I knew there was, it, that was out there, but I didn't want to read it until I watched the film, uh, and then I just didn't get a chance to read it today. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's just something where they seem to have gone bigger and darker, whereas they've kind of, I think they've inadvertently saved it, because now, like, they didn't have a lot of time, they probably didn't have as much budget, so they've gone smaller, they've gone leaner because mm, it, it, it is it, there is a noticeable shift in um, in scope and everything for the last kind of I mean the fact that you get to um, Cardiff and there's obviously signs that there's been you know there's been zombie happenings around there um, but there isn't any around in yeah. the streets and stuff like that. There's none around the streets. There is once they get to the um, World Health Organization research facility, but you know, there's no evidence. There's evidence that they've been there, but there's no bodies and there's no it's all a bit sedate, really. Well I'm I'm just glad to just think that like Hollywood Wales. Yeah, well no, that's not nice. I'm just <laughs> glad to I'm just glad to think the dead won't congregate in Wales to be honest. And I, I will say as well that 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 street that they walk through that doesn't look like Cardiff in the in the in the slightest with like the hills in the background. But twenty minutes out of Cardiff, where I live, yeah, totally. That's that's it. it it's it kind of looks like they uh, they're walking through Traforest and not Cardiff. But um, uh, anyway, uh, um, so yeah, uh, Malcolm Tucker from the thick of it and a bunch of randoms, um, and it's. Quiet and it's edgy. It's very dark. And here's a question: the teeth chattering zombie. Are you going to? Yeah, uh, go on. Uh, and I think yes, I think I'm going to end up agreeing. Did it not get? Not agree- did, it did it get, get laughs? laughs? Yes. Did the laughs annoy the fuck out of you? Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't into the laughs. I must say because I actually thought it was quite a cool concept. Yeah, it it it, it, it bugged the hell out of me. But yeah, got laughs, and I just thought, really, is it is is that 
funny? Is this what? Is this? Is really? Is this what people? Is it all it takes? Is, is, is a bit of teeth chattering, and that's it. You'll start laughing. Jeez, there's no wonder comedy's fucked. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, because I mean, the, the thing is, like, the the, the 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 makeup work actually looks pretty good, and it's the it's the one time you really get a proper close up, long look at the zombie. Yeah, and it looks pretty good. It does. It, it, it's well done, you know, and it's nice that it's all prosthetics. Yeah, um, it worked well. I mean, another problem with that is is the fact that when they actually go into that portion and they're told be really quiet and they give over a gun and they say last resort and it's the first thing that she uses I mean, literally the first zombie they see that turns around and sees them doesn't even start running towards she just shoots it it's like that's that's not the last resort that's like the first thing that you've done was to shoot one of them and then all this happened yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, but then again, it, it, maybe it, it's supposed to show that she's not the brightest of sparks. Yeah, even though we haven't, I suppose we haven't really had too much like into her character, I suppose. But no, yeah, and, and um, so yeah, I mean, we got that, and I mean, one of one of my other problems with um with with the film, I suppose, it is kind of typified by this section where Brad Pitt's character. There's nothing bad about his character. He's a good father. Um, he's a loving husband. Um, he could he could kick ass and take names when he needs to. And he wears a scarf. Yeah, he does wear a scarf. And you know, there's just nothing to his character. And like him testing that the the stuff on himself and seeing if it was going to work. He's even like a potential martyr. Um, it, it just. There, 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 I mean, there is no character development. There is no character no. development at all in this film. But then again, it's kind—it's of, not what it's about. But, no, but still, you, you only really get to know one character throughout the entire film, and you don't even really get to know him that well. Yeah, yeah, quite. I mean, uh, like, he's engaging. I mean, Brad Pitt, as always, oh, he's, he's engaging he's, on screen. He's very—he's very, very good in it. But I think he is a little bit. Um, he, he, he is very kind of boy scouty. He's um, he, he just like you say. He just comes across as a really good guy. The fact that he's uh, ex UN as well, but not like you know. He's obviously been a bit of a badass UN guy rather than you know a goody two shoes UN guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um... So yeah, I mean, like the the end sequence. I mean, I take it you liked it. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was it was. I, I liked it. Thought it was good. Thought it worked well. Um, it made sense. Uh, it wrapped it up. Wrapped this film up nicely, um, but left enough open for a, a possibility of another film that I don't think will get made. But uh, it, it does leave it open enough for the, the small possibility it might. Yeah, oh, it might get made. I don't know. Maybe they might. Maybe they might offset part of the budget, the extra budget for this one, against the other one, and say, "Look, we might have only made back X amount on this one, but we'll the fact that you know that it seems to have got fairly decent reviews, and it's it's already done better than a lot of people kind of expected yeah. it, it might. You know, because it's it's not a twelve A as well; it's a fifteen in the UK, so. 
straight away you're losing a certain amount of, of people that might have gone to see it. I mean, you, you, yeah, I mean, like, Christ, it, it's a weird summer where, like, World War Z is going to do over $100 million in the US. I mean, it, it just it is. I mean, it, it's probably going to do over 150 uh, whereas After Earth is not even going to come close to $100 million. And that's a Will Smith movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, to be honest, if you just said to me at the start that I'd have said I had feelings that After Earth was going to bomb, it just yeah, I had too much going wrong for it rather than going right for it. Mm, well, we'll see. Apparently, the next big potential bomb specific rim, but uh, we'll see about yeah, that. Yeah, the thing is, I've heard. I, 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 I think it'll do all right. I, I, yeah, I think I, to be honest, I think it's going to do all right. I think Warner Brothers just need to pull them finger out with the marketing. But then again, we're two weeks away from it, and ads have been all over the telly. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, back to World War Z though. But do we have too much the same uh, else? I mean, they 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 have announced they're developing a sequel, but whether that's just like a saving face kind of thing, just to you know, then uh, who knows? But I, I I think it's a film where. You could expand on it if you wanted to, but you don't have to. It's not beholden to it. And frankly, with blockbusters these days, I'm glad. It, like the end of Iron Man 3, where it's just like, they could do another one, but they really don't have to. Yeah, I, I mean, I I would happily spend um, another two hours um, in the universe, but it, it all depends on whether or not Pitt wants to be there. I wouldn't go back to the universe if they were looking and they were they were telling somebody else's story um, because it wasn't the world that got me. Um, it wasn't that bit. It was it, it was Brad Pitt's part within this world that made me interested in it. Um, so I have a feeling if they went for another one, I, I think it would it would have Brad Pitt in a little bit at the beginning and he'd be introducing somebody else and it'd be somebody else telling a story either coming in from it on a you know on a um, same timeline and then going into a forward timeline as Brad Pitt uh, as Brad Pitt's character or directly coming on from where Brad Pitt comes in and then passes it over to somebody else I could see them attempting to do that um, I maybe wouldn't be as interested in that because uh, the outside world Although it looked nice and I, and I liked the way it looked and I liked that, it wasn't developed enough to make you go, yeah, I enjoyed being in that world. I enjoyed being with Brad Pitt's character in that world. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 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 the other thing is, I, I think a lot of people, and this is people involved with the film, uh, who've seen the film, have gone into it and have gone, have come out and kind of gone, Fucking, do you know what? Do you know what? That wasn't an absolute mess. I'm actually happy and surprised. Yeah. And it wasn't an absolute mess. It's, you know, it it it, it works. You know, and fucking all oh, power to it. You know. Yeah, I I I I will be buying probably day one. And do you know what? Oh, I will. Yeah. For a cup. Couple of extra quid, I'll buy the 3D Blu-ray and see what the 3D's like. Because mm. I, I will say, the more I watch 3D at home, the more I'm okay with it. And yeah. also, well, the other thing we haven't done out is we haven't actually given a shout out to the um, the original scriptwriter, who is the brother of uh, one of our favourite directors. Um, Matthew Michael. 
It is Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, more, more, more Joe Carnahan love will happen later on in the podcast. Ooh, really? Yeah. Yes, uh, in regards to uh, our marathon film, actually. Joe Carnahan? Yeah. He's not in Blow, is he? He's not, no, but there is there is a link between Blow and something that I have been... that I'll, I'll go into when we... I, towards the end of our discussion of work. I am intrigued there's a trailer for that then so um, but yeah finishing up on World War Z definitely not shit definitely not shit um, thoroughly enjoyable um, really nice um, blockbuster I mean fuck it, it, it's a horror blockbuster yeah and how often can you say that and uh, ho- hopefully it might inspire more yeah, also as well, liked the way they dealt with the, the zombie and the fast zombie versus slow zombie, where at one point, in a line, a great line of dialogue where they say, zombies, um, and somebody says, well, technically, undead. And it, it's kind of, it, I, I took that very much as a wink to zombies of people going, Fucking, you know, and the hate fast zombies and going, they're not, maybe, we don't know the zombies, yeah, currently yeah. they're the undead. And I thought that was a nice little, that was a nice touch for horror geeks. Or I took it as that. Might not be, but fuck it. I'll take any bone the throw. Yeah, fair play. Um, okay, so, um, let's have a break for some promos. And when we get back, we will get into some one old and one new. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan, motherfucker. Nice. I'm going to get me a drink. Ooh. Hi, this is famous Hollywood producer, Robert Evans. You know, I've made a lot of powerful enemies during my time in Hollywood. Like the time I pushed Steve McQueen in front of a moving car on the set of The Getaway because he was macking on my lady, Ally McGraw. But I've made one great friend, a boffo friend, if you will, since I retired. It's called Show Show, and it's the best fucking movie podcast ever. It's even better than cocaine, which I would know a lot about. Visit Show Show at showshow.podomatic.com or search Show Show, all one word, in the iTunes store. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. That means due to you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and hard cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. Getting, that's the third time though. I mean, am I, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Okay, now, folks, so that was some promos. And uh, before we get into one old, one new, uh, Mark was talking about a rather poor experience he had at the cinema for World War Z. Go on, Mark. Yeah, I mean, this was the this was actually the first film I saw at the uh, newly renovated City Screen in York, which is my favourite cinema in, uh, that I've, I've ever been in. Um, 
and the renovation has been they've completely redone the bar and everything like that. It looks very nice, even though it looks like a cafe rather than a bar. Um, but they've also had new seats put in. Uh, in all of the screens. Uh, the seats are brilliant, ridiculously comfortable, loved it. Um, but uh, I, I usually go to the cinema on Saturday mornings, Monday nights, or Sunday mornings. Uh, I haven't been to the cinema on a Wednesday in years. Oh, the dreaded Orange Wednesday. Okay. And I, I, it didn't twig till after I left, but of course, Orange Wednesday, it was a very full screening which I'm very happy for because I enjoyed the movie, so I'm glad the fact that people are seeing it. Every cine- single cinema patron no-no was committed. Uh-huh. There was people constantly texting on phones and a guy checking his email um, during on a Blackberry. Um, there was a guy got up, walked across from his seat, walked down the steps, then turned round and shouted, Do you want a drink? Oh, you're joking, really? Yeah. Uh, where I'm sat, uh, I was sat in one of the um, edge seats uh, where there's just two seats. And then the bit behind me, there's two seats and that. A couple sat in them. Fine, fair enough. Except they two or three times started turning around and having a conversation with each other. Any time when the film went quiet, it was like, oh, we better have a conversation. To which I did turn around and say, sorry, can you stop talking? Because it's quite off-putting. Yeah. Very politely. Um, and then, about an hour into the film, I, there was quite a lot of banging on the back of uh, my chair. And I thought, you know, it's been a good sort of 20 minutes since I said, can you shut up talking? Yeah. But can't be to that. And all of a sudden, the chair next to me, because I was sat on the, the outside chair rather than the inside chair, yeah. these legs just draped down. Oh, the just, guy just right next to you. Put his legs, legs, not just feet, his legs, over the edge of the seat. So I thought, I, I've just asked him like twenty minutes ago, stop talking. And this wasn't, you know, sort of little, sort of turn around and I'm just going to the toilet. Or what did he say? It was proper actual conversation about where they were going for something to eat after the film. So I was justified, you know. If somebody didn't hear what somebody said, and somebody went, "What do you say?" and they went, oh, "He said blah blah." Fair enough. Yeah. But are we going to ha ha after this, or are we going to blah? I don't know. Where do you fancy go? That that's unacceptable cinematic talk. Yeah. At all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Any cinematic talk is unacceptable. So I thought, and then the guy puts his fucking legs over the fucking seat. So I thought, I, I, I am well within my rights now to not be a nice guy anymore. Sure. So I hit his legs. To which he kicked the back of my seat. So I thought, right, I'll leave it, I'll wait, and I'll say something at the end of the film. Yeah. Then the girl in the aisle seat across from me took her shoes off and put her shoes in the aisle. Friction, shoes and socks off. At that point I thought, I'm never, ever coming to the cinema on a Wednesday, ever again, because this is hell. Yeah, uh, and I'm amazed that I, at one point, um, you know, just as they get into the World Health Organization, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was the moment where a guy, for the fifth time, further down, but well within where I could see, got his phone out to check it again, and it was the same guy for the fifth time. And at that moment, I thought, 
if there was another screening of this film tonight, I'd 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 get out and leave and come back in for that other screening. Yeah. Because this is this is torture. End of the film, got up and thought because I was so enraged yeah, by yeah. the acts of these people that I thought, I'm going to get up and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to turn around and stare at that guy yeah. as I'm putting my coat on because I want him to say something. Yeah. So I turned around, turned around, zipped my coat up and just stared at him. And all he said was, what? And I, sh- and I, sh- and I thought, I have nothing to say other than, you are an absolute prick. Yeah. Like, no one's sat there. So, don't put your, just don't put your fucking feet up on a fucking seat at a cinema. It's a dick move. Just fucking don't do it. it it's a complete dick move and, oh, you can just fuck off. Yeah. As I said, said do you know what? I'm gonna, but I'm gonna fuck off safe in the knowledge that you're always gonna be a dickhead. Bye. And also, he's probably gonna just bitch about you and just yeah. not and be really, annoyed I, for the next half an hour like you I, were annoyed. Yeah. I, I really, really hope that that at one point in the night, his missus said to him, all right, can you just shut up about that guy at the cinema? Yeah. Because he actually kind of had a point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and at one of the singular, nothing bit to do with the film, one of the singular worst cinema-going experiences I've had. And I was very shocked because I thought I would have that in a view while Pitch House was closed, not have it at my first venturing back to the pitch house after it reopened. Yeah, I, I've, I mean, I've got to say, I haven't had that many bad... Like, my my cinema experiences have been bad because of projection issues much more than audience lately. Well, yeah, that, that's the first time I've been pissed off, really, by an audience in, in a few... in a few months. Yeah. And it, it was... Oh, I'm putting it down a Wednesday is what I'm putting it down to, is the fact that it was Orange Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, no, it totally is, because that's when the shit munches yeah. go to the cinema. That, I mean, that it, it is. So, yeah, so I'm going back to my, my screenings when I go in as early as possible on a Sunday morning, and often I'm the only person there. Like, so the only person to piss me off is me. I, I tell you what, I... I Go to, when I usually go to the cinema on a Saturday, unless I'm with Donna, I'll go before two o'clock, and I'm pretty much guaranteed a, a, a fine time audience-wise. Either there's not a lot of people in there, or that most people are buying themselves and well behaved. Yeah, that's what that's what I get. It's why I go usually about ten half ten on a Sunday morning yeah. because majority of the time I go in and I'm on my own. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way you've just unfortunately got a planet like this these days. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even realise it was Wednesday. I think. Yeah, I mean, so anyway, to be honest, I reckon if you went on a Tuesday or a Thursday, you probably would have had a much better time. Um, yeah. But yes, let's get on. Uh, so one old, one new, and uh, kick us off, Mark. Okay, um, I'm going to kick off with my one old first. Um, I um, watched. The other day, uh, wanted to watch a comedy film, was in the mood to have a bit of a, a, a bit of a laugh, and then a bit of a shit day, and had got in from work quite late on, and thought, right, I need summer that is around 90 minutes, that will make me laugh, that I've already seen, so fall asleep, it doesn't matter. Um, so I was flicking through, uh, I wasn't flicking through Netflix, actually, I was flicking through uh, the Sky On Demand thing, 
Uh, Ellen came across Happy Gilmore and thought, do you know what? I haven't watched Happy Gilmore in years. In fact, what I actually found was that I'd never, I've, I've seen Happy Gilmore, but I'd never seen Happy Gilmore from start to finish in one sitting. I'd always kind of caught the, the last, you know, like the last hour and a like last hour and 15 minutes or the last hour. So I'd seen it all more than once, but never actually sat down and watched it in one go. Um, so, I'm guessing everybody who's listening has seen Happy Gilmore. Uh, it's just one of those films. Um, but it made me think of, you know, of how much Adam Sandler has kind of altered his, you know, his approach to comedy. You know, this was, you know, it's arguable to say that between this and Wedding Singer, these were the kind of the two films that really, you know, really launched him as a, as a, as a presence in films, you know, he, he was nowadays. Whenever anyone's on Saturday Night Live, um, we have the feeling that they do make the transition to films, you know, very easily. Um, and around sort of the mid nineties, it wasn't really the case, you know. Not a lot of the late eighties, early nineties Saturday Night Live crew managed to make that jump um, to prolonged um, success in films, like Adam Sandler managed to. Um, and you know, watch something like Happy Gilmore where you have him, you know, doing the hyper-aggressive man-child thing that he did a lot uh, around this time. It's it, he's such an affable and such a, a a fun presence, and there's no there's no nastiness in the comedy. It's very it, it, it it's very it's broad, but it's there's a lot of heart to it. Um, and it's the same with you know things like um, Billy Madison. And the wedding singer, and there was a period, you know, in from this up to sort of, you know, I'd say the maybe kind of like Mr. Deeds of like five, sort of five, six years, where he was just knocking hit out of hit out, um, and then he, he he kind of he went off and tried to do more edgy material. You know, he went out and he did, you know, Punch Drunk Love, um, and. Um, Spanglish and things like that ran over me and, and then it, it kind of when he didn't sort of get nominated for Oscars and stuff like that he's then just gone back to what he knew and you know we get stuff like grown ups um, well, I, mean, I think it was the failure of funny people that did that as much as anything else just because it yeah. was just like okay here we go I'm going to give this a go and then people rejected funny people but the thing is funny people was just for me anyway and for a lot of people was not a very good movie it wasn't because of Adam Sandler it, it was a film with a beginning and a middle it, yeah funny funny people um, the problem with funny people is it's not as funny as it thinks it is it's not I actually quite like funny people but it's not as funny as it thinks it is it's not as smart as it thinks it is and it can't make its mind up whether or not it wants to be a drama or a comedy. Yeah, and yeah. It, it doesn't do enough of either to make it a comedy drama, and it just ends up being two and a, two hours twenty minutes or something ridiculous like that. It is uh, of time with really these incredibly flawed people, where there isn't a single nice person in it. Yeah, quite. Um, 
but like I said, I didn't actually hear it from you people, I'll be honest. But I mean, it's the fact that that failed so really, really badly because it was expensive as well. Mm. Um, and, and, and so Sander was just like, okay, I'll give the people what they want. And in, in the end of the day, Grown Ups made a ridiculous amount of money worldwide. Grown Ups yeah, 2 yeah. is tracking to open bigger than Pacific Rim in a couple of weeks in the US. I mean, yeah, Grown Ups made, made near 300 million. Um, just go with it made nearly 250 million um, you know the the big kind of fly in the ointments of being you know Jack and Jill um, I mean, even Jack and Jill made double its budget nearly which is astonishing because it's a fucking horrendous movie mm. um, and you know that's my boy that that bombed pretty badly yeah but I mean that, that, yeah that was R rated you know, yeah, I, 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 think, yeah. I, I think that was it. It, it. it just, whenever Sandler is in R-rated stuff, it seems to go down the toilet. But in the PG and PG-13 mould, he's able to do well with it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a strange thing. I mean, we obviously, as well, going back, it, it's fun to look at, you know, the fact that you've got these characters, these actors that crop up in a lot of Sandler movies. Uh, and this is you seeing them early on. And it is stupid and it is ridiculous. But... It, it just works, and you can see from films like uh, Happy Gilmore and The Wedding Singer why Sandler caught an imagination and why he, he had this—he's had this prolonged career, which you know has, has seen him rack up a lot of a lot of hits and a lot of money. Um, it's just a shame that his, his films nowadays don't seem to have that niceness to them. They do seem to rely on such broad strokes nowadays I mean essentially Grown Ups 2 is Fat Man Fall Down um, and ooh aren't kids weird nowadays um, and your Grown Ups 2 just look so bad so so very bad yeah there's uh, the, there is still no way I'm watching Grown Ups 2 Mark there is no way I'm watching Grown Ups 2 I, 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 I don't believe it. I'll watch it for the both of us but definitely not at a cinema I'm not paying to see that shit no, I, I will never, I will never, never, never watch Growing Ups 2. Uh, I will say that right now. If ever there was a film, I know I will never, ever watch. It is Growing Ups 2. I, I, I do not blame you. Uh, my ridiculous curiosity is the only thing that will get me to watch this. It, it, it's like Here Comes the Boom. You know, like, I've... I've no, I would I, never I, I've learned my lesson. I've learned my lesson that uh, you know, and you know, you know, becoming a father, I'm not going to have as many much time to watch as many films as I do now. So I'm going to have to be a bit more picky. So whereas a couple of years ago I would have watched The Zookeeper, and I did watch The Zookeeper, and it was terrible. It is terrible. Um, you know, now I, I just I know I won't touch it. But yeah, Happy Gilmore is great. <laughs> yeah, and um, Christopher uh, McDonald plays a fucking great douchebag. You eat pieces of shit for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, that, do you know what? Do you know what? That since I remember watching this movie, um, that 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 has stayed with me. That line. I think that's it, fair. It, it has absolutely stayed with me, um, and even to the point of where, let's say, I, I when I when I cook a meal, for instance, I leave stuff everywhere, all over the kitchen. It is like a disaster zone, and Becky will often come into the living room and say to me. Are you going to clean the kitchen up? And I say, I cooked, you clean. And it's that's the rule. It's like, there's shit everywhere. And I'll go, uh, really? It's like, not actual shit. And I'm like, ah, right, you see, that's not what you said. Mm. And it's just an offshoot from that. 
So Becky now can't describe anything as being, well, that was shit. What, actual, not actual shit? Yeah. I bet um, she loves that. Ah, it fucking drives me insane, but I still do it all the time. <laughs> right, go on then, what's your first one old or one new? What are you uh, hitting me? Alright, I'll get, I'll get the one new done so you can, oh. uh, <laughs> you know what it is, don't you? No, I don't, I don't. Oh, I don't. good. See, explain, explain why. You're mentioning that for our viewers who might not know. Yeah, um, I, I, viewers, listeners. Because <laughs> I, I, I tweeted Mark uh, like this is like last week now. Uh, this time last week that I've started watching a film that I know he'd be very excited about. And I, I, have, I have three or four films in my brain that it could be, and I absolutely thought I, I don't want to know. I don't want to. I, I haven't looked at your um, letterbox profile. Okay, good man, because he's on there. <laughs> I thought if I look at his letterbox. I'll know which film it is, and I don't want to know until the podcast. Okay, the film is from 1988. Yeah. Is it it Heather's? It is directed by Craig R. Baxley. All right. Go on. Starring in smaller roles, Thomas F. Wilson, Robert Davi, and Bill Duke. Oh, is it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Well, go on. Are you watching... Is it Commander? God, no. I've seen Commando, you silly. I don't say it. I, I'm, I'm a little bit stumped, but I'm probably just being really, really dumb. Okay, part of the tagline, I'm kind of uh, switching around the tagline a little. Oh my god, you watched Action Jackson! Oh, there you go. Oh my god, the, the tagline, say the tagline. Name Jericho Jackson, nickname Action, home Detroit, profession Cop, education Harvard Law, hobby fighting crime, weapon, you're looking you're at looking him. looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's, it's brilliant I've never seen that before that's great you're looking at them and the great thing is, is it's the type of tagline where it, it only makes sense for like one poster the yeah that's true it doesn't make sense for but it's on all of them Oh god, that that's funny. Um, so, Magnificent, isn't it? Jesus Christ! All right, so yeah, this is Action Jackson, which um, I'd never really heard of before. Um, yeah, well, obviously I had from you talking about it. Becky didn't believe me this film existed. Yeah, it, it does. It does feel like it just—it's a film that's been made up. And the thing is, like, it feels like it has just been forgotten. Like, no one ever ever talks about Action Jackson. And in a way, I can kind of see why. <laughs> um, Action Jackson, in some moments, is absolutely glorious. Um, directed by a stunt coordinator, yeah. uh, which explained a lot. I think Giles, Giles Edwards, I think he pointed that out to me. And there are moments which are great. There's, like, full-body flame, like, just a a whole man set on fire and running around, which is amazing. Um, There's a bit where Carl Weathers jumps over a moving car. uh, And my my favourite moment, I think, of the entire film is when Jackson 
throws a man out of a window. It go it, it goes out the window, smashes through the window, goes through the air, and then the body just smashes through the window of the next building. <laughs> Which I don't... It sounds like such an obvious thing, but I don't think I've ever seen that before. No. And it's... Th- that is absolutely incredible. As is Carl Weathers, who is... I. You know what's really weird? Carl Weathers was in Happy Gilmore. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, yes, he was. And seamless in these links. Yeah, bloody right. Um, kind of wish I thought of that. Um, and like he is fantastic. Um, his, his arms are incredible. Built like a brick shit house, and whenever he's got his shirt off, he's just already glistening. <laughs> it, it feels like The Rock watched this before Fast Five and said make my head look like his body. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 it's it's absolutely ma- amazing. And the thing is, like, he is able to get away with... He's proper, like, charming, and he's he's very, very funny. And I love the introduction to his character as well, where uh, these two random beat cops pick up this guy who's, yeah. like, nicking a purse off a woman, and they're telling him about Action Jackson and how scary <laughs> he is. And... This guy, and it's a running joke through the film that this guy bumps into Action Jackson and just shits himself and faints. <laughs> it's, it's just such a wonderful thing when he faints. Yeah, yeah, I know, it is. Um, but <laughs> one of the things that brings the, the, the film down, um, and, you know, they're, they're kind of the clues in the casting, really. The character of Sidney Ash, who becomes the main love interest in the film, is played by a woman who is actually credited as Vanity. Vanity. Yes, she is. Um, which, which is a hell of a thing. Um, now, Vanity plays um, a woman who's basically getting fucked by the bad guy, uh, Peter Delaplane, by, played by Craig T. Nelson, uh, who's actually pretty good in the bad guy role here. He is, like, a, a shitheel. He's a he dickhead. Yeah. Um, but she's this drug drug user who, in her first, uh, the first scene, like Pat Delaplane comes up to her uh, uh, and he just pulls out this massive syringe, and it's like it just—it's it, a testament to how overblown the film is that it has to emphasise the point that she's a drug user, not with just like a little needle, but with a massive fuck off syringe, <laughs> um, which is incredible. But um, she and, and she kind of gets involved with Jackson, but. She's basically a massive whining, like in, in going cold turkey drug user who Carl Weathers falls in love with. Well, the amazing thing is, is at the time of making this film, um, Vanity was a crack addict. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Was, you know, um, and of course, Vanity um, was in. She comes from Vanity Six, the um, Prince Pop group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she was she was like a full blown fucking crack monster in yeah. the late eighties. That doesn't surprise me at all. At all. Uh, I, I mean, she's she's terrible in the film. She is. Yeah. It, like she's brutal. Um, and it, like there's one the whole sequence where like basically Carl Carl Weathers goes and sees her sing, and the whole se- sequence is just her doing a song. 
and it almost feels like she was like blowing the director and just made him put it in there or something. It, it, it's it's really like her whole thing. It, it just it doesn't work, and it's a shame because Sharon Stone's uh, in it quite a lot for like the first half or so, and she's far more sympathetic and. Jackson kind of like has there's a little bit of a free song between those two and it's far more rewarding than than anything with the than anything with vanity. Mm. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I think originally Stone was down to um, to play um, uh, the love interest was down to play the, the character that vanity you know, Sydney there but the director. Um, Thought that it would make more sense if um, Carl Weathers' love interest was, let's say, more like him. Yeah, which is yeah. I kind, you know what? I kind of figured it was doing that, and that's that's yeah. that's brutal. Which is, which is brutal, uh, and it's very of the time. Um, but unfortunately, it, it is still something that happens in movies. Yeah, it uh, it totally is. Movies are still slightly scared of interracial relationships. And it, and it is it is a shame because, it, like I say, it is actually I, I like the scenes between um, him and Sharon Stone. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it's it, it, Christ, it's not a great film, but um, I didn't watch it drunk either. I'd imagine drunk it would be absolutely incredible. Um, but it, it I, I think it's a film that kind of, it does deserve to be talked about a bit more than it actually is because the the action is quite fun and Carl Weathers is great. Um, he's he's really really he's really good in it and the whole I mean Christ the last the, the last sequence is him managing to get away with not making driving a car through a mansion look ridiculous like it just <laughs> it just fits um, oh god and um, some of the supporting characters as well the uh, the boxer the ex boxer who owns the, the the shitty little hotel oh uh, what's his name oh, what is his name. Oh, I can't remember his name. But, I mean, he's, like, he's just got a really weird voice, and he is incredible. He's absolutely incredible. Um, oh, I've got to try... Kid Sable, played by Chino Fats Williams. That's it, yeah. Um, I mean, you've also got people, like you say, like uh, Robert Dudley in there and Bill Dukes in there. I mean, anything with Bill Dukes, great. <gasps> no way! What? He played. I fucking thought I recognised his voice. He played in in the Terminator at the start when the Terminator first comes through, and you got that truck driver who's like, "What the hell? You're what the truck. hell? It's him." Jesus it is. <laughs> fucking hell. What the hell? Like, which is still one of the best. Yeah, is one of the best moments in the Terminator for me. Frankly, I find that guy hilarious. That's him. That's <laughs> blowing my mind. What the? Oh, God. actually, do you know what? I've got to find that now. <laughs> that I had. That's William. Do you know what? I had something else planned for the start of the show. The quote at the start of the show, but oh, God, he, he was actually in quite a lot. He was in Roadhouse. Oh god damn it! I can't find. Andy was in Rocky Three. Yeah, truck driving the Terminator, and he was in, and he was in Weird Science. Jesus Christ! This guy's this guy's in a lot, and he's dead. 
Oh, God damn it. Oh, I wish I could find that. But yeah, no, so um, anyway, that was uh, fucking... Yeah, no, I can't find it. Shit. Um, yeah, so uh, that's Action Jackson. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't heard of it, um, it is a lot of fun. And I will probably acquiesce, and yes, we'll probably do a commentary one day. I think that we, would be we, quite I would fun. think we definitely will. I would think we'll, we will have a guest on for that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. 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 Noel will probably join us for that one. I, I reckon think. he might. Um, so let's get on to your one new, bud. My one new uh, is actually, it, it's a film that was released very recently. Um, I watched uh, the Tina Fey, uh, Paul Rudd, kind of comedy admission I've got I've got this what's this like um it's uh, I got about sort of 20 minutes into it and at at that point stopped and thought who directed this because it's it it was uh, the thing that started to annoy me wasn't any of the the performances and the scripts of that it was just some very strange director decision. And then I checked and saw that it was directed by Paul Weitz on his own. Uh, and was hit with very much a, ah, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. actually. Because, let's be honest, he's pretty shit. You know, American Pie um, and um, About a Boy were both perfectly decent films, but he directed those with his brother. Um and then, you know, his directorial credits on his own. You've got things like American Dreams, Cirque de Freak, Little Fockers, Bean Flynn, and this. And, if you know, I've seen all of those films. And all of them um, just are just terribly directed movies. Um, so, it, it's... It doesn't get any better in this. The, the whole idea is... I won't go into it too much, because you know watch it. I won't go into it. Sorry, too much. The idea is you've got um, Tina Fey plays a um, admissions officer uh, at Princeton University, and it's this whole big thing is made out of the fact that Princeton gets um, so many tens of thousands of applicants, and only sort of ninety nine percent of uh, sorry ninety nine percent of applicants are declined, and you have to have all these things, and it's a little bit of an advert at points for how hard is it to get into Princeton uh, and how hard is it to get into essentially what is an Ivy League school in America um, and how you know how much all these things and how terrible the decision making process is because you've got to have you know the right parents and you've got to have had the right grades since you were in you know fucking kindergarten and all this lot and it it, it, it kind of it's one of those films where it's kind of going saying oh how horrible is all this while whilst also kind of backing it up and saying oh it's horrible it's horrible but make sure you do it it's kind of like like that and then you've got Paul Rudd playing um, he plays the um, you don't really know how it is um, he's um, the he runs um, like an alternative school um, that sort of deals in sort of as lessons that are not quite, you know, normal, rather than just, like, history. Other lessons are, like, farming and well-building and stuff like this. Um, so he's supposed to be, you know, like this, he's a little bit kooky and everything like this, and then you're all the time thinking, 
Well, no, he's not. He, he's just this overprivileged guy who's a bit bored. Yeah. Um, and so the story and the direction are pretty shit and pretty annoying. Um, but, and I, I find Tina Fey quite annoying because I think she's incredibly arrogant and it, it comes across in every character she ever plays. Um, that at least ten times in any film she's in, it's mentioned how pretty she is. Um, and it's a little bit like that in this. Um, and the jokes are reused over and over and over again. But she actually becomes quite a nice person to spend time with. You actually start to actually feel for her. And the idea is you've got Paul Rudd has this kid that is at his high school who he wants to send who he, he wants to send to Princeton and thinks would be great if he could go to Princeton. It's just the fact that he doesn't have the early grades to back up the later grades and he's a bit socially awkward. So he's trying to get her on side to go um, to, to kind of take him under her wing, but she's very kind of straight-laced and doesn't want to do that because it might end up, you know, they're not really supposed to favour anybody or anything like that. And because of that, in it, it's it, it's a, not a total bust, but I can see why it was fast-tracked to DVD in America and it got it got a barely even noticeable release over here. Because um, it just just never gets dramatic enough to be a drama or funny enough to be a comedy. There are some, there are a few moments where I did laugh quite heartily yeah. on two or three occasions, which gives it enough of a pass from me. But when it finished, I was very much the opinion of, I, you know... You were trying to say that all this process is horrible and it's wrong, and you were trying to shine a light on it, but whilst also justifying it as well. And it, it felt very much like they'd said to Princeton and said, we want to do this, and we want to do this, and they've gone, yep, you can use our name, but don't make us out to the bad guys. And they've gone, oh, but you, okay, we won't make you out to the bad guys. But they kind of are but they're at pains to stress that they're not. And it, so it, it kind of ends up stepping on its own dick a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a total bust, and I would yeah. say, give it a watch. Uh, Lily Tomlin as um, Tina Fey's mum is brilliant. Um, and Michael Sheen, it's a little bit like, why? Yeah. It, it, it's definitely one of his, why... What 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 other than money or possibly a favour made you do that movie? Well, I mean, I know like he had a like a guest role on Thirty Rock for a few episodes, so it might just be that he's got a previous connection to um, Tina Fey anyway. Yeah, and um, it, and it, it is as much stock nice Paul Rudd performance as you will ever get. I take it there's there's no moments to rival him talking to himself in the mirror in Wonderlust. Oh, do you know what? Do you know what it feels like? It feels a little bit like his character, and what his character's doing is Wonderlust 2. 
Yeah, admission has has felt to me like this year's Wonderlust. Like Wonderlust for me is only notable because it was by far what will probably always be the shortest re- main review we ever did on Heroes. Mm. Like we like literally, it was probably less than ten minutes long. And yes. it, 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 admission feels like that to me, where like you can't berate it. No, this, yeah, it, uh, I, I've I've seen Wonderlust. Um, I've seen Wonderlust twice. I I didn't. Didn't hate it. Didn't really like it. I thought the mirror scene in Wonderlust was one of the most brutal moments I've ever seen in Paul Rudd's career. Um, I like I, I like the mirror. Moment. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Um, I, I but I thought that uh, Justin Theroux saved Wonderlust. He's pretty great in Wonderlust. In fairness, with, with, yes. with some of the great lines of where like he said, "I sold it for ten thousand dollars." We're going to go and buy a, a, a mansion. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and all those kind of bits uh, were, were, were very good. There's none of that in this. There's no one character where you go, he's really good. And also, let's be honest, Wonderlust ended up being the movie where Jennifer Aniston didn't get her breasts out in. Even though I think that was only because um, Justin Frew demanded they n- not be in there, wasn't it? Yeah, that it was. But at the time, there was a lot made in a lot of kind of like a lot of circles were saying, you know, oh god, this this film Jennifer Aniston gets her breasts out. It's like, really? Is is that how we're going to sell this? Is that how bad it is? And then it was like, oh wait a minute, no, she doesn't. Like, all right. So the only reason why I was going to watch it is now gone. Competition time. First what? person to tweet at dude and a monkey and says Jennifer Aniston, get your breasts out, wins a copy of Cloverfield on Blu-ray. <laughs> Good one. I just realised. Um, I ordered the st- that steelbook I told you about. I already own Cloverfield on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, I'll no keep the steelbook, but um, yeah, somebody's. There you go. First person. Like Jennifer Aniston's boobs. UK only, I will say. Uh, you see, if you get us some iTunes reviews, uh, US folks, you might get entered in these competitions. There you go. But you're not at the moment, you fuckers. Um, <laughs> so, at Dude and a Monkey, Jennifer Aniston, get your breasts out. And uh, you'll get a copy. I'll pay for the postage. I'll pay for the, uh, I'll pay for the envelope. Why not? Uh, because I completely forgot that I already own Cloverfield. I thought I sold it. I don't own the Untouchables, do I? I bet you do. No, okay, I did sell that. <laughs> okay, that's something. But, um, yeah, so Cloverfield to a lucky winner. Um, okay, um, shall I do my one old? Yes. Okay, so... <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, before I get into my one old, I would just like to say as well, um, I also, um, in memory of James Gandolfini as much as anything else, um, I watched David Chase's Not Fade Away last week. Uh, I won't get into it too much, but that might be coming up on top ten at the end of the year type material. Uh, oh. uh, it's really fucking good. Is it? It's really fucking good. Oh, I might have to watch that. Then. And I, I, I know you like your kind of music movies as well. Yes, I uh, It's, oh, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, right, I'll, I'll, I'll move that up the list. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very annoyed that it's not going to be, uh, it, it doesn't seem to have had a UK release yet, um, because it's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I will talk a 
about uh, a rather maligned sequel, which has come up in the news over the last couple of days because Rick Moranis has been interviewed about uh, Ghostbusters 3. Ah. Um, yeah, I'm not... not strange. What? I was going to cover Ghostbusters 2 as my one old and decided to do Happy Gilmore instead. D- Seriously, you've watched... Seriously, I, I had I, I had open... Because I always have uh, the page of, of uh, Wikipedia open of the films that we're going to talk about. Uh, and I had Happy Gilmore open and Ghostbusters 2 and thought, which one? I thought, I'm going to go for Happy Gilmore because then I can I can talk about the Adam Sandler career thing within that. Oh, uh, wow. But no. yeah, but yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. strange. Yeah, I watched it the other day. Yeah, no, I watched it last week because it's on um, Netflix... Yep, I watched it. Yeah, God, that's weird. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, Ghostbusters two, um, which yeah, it, it really gets shit on. Really, I, yeah, really, I don't understand it. I, the thing is, in a way, in a way, I understand it because it's as much a retread as any sequel could ever really get. Uh, you know, it's Bill Murray trying to get in Scorny Weaver's pants. You know, it, that's basically the same, except they've got a bit of backstory in this. Um, there's a big bad which personally affects Sigourney Weaver's character. Um, you've got uh, Winston, who's barely in it. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you've got the big thing going through New York at the end, except this time it's for good. You know, it, it, it's it's very very retready, and the more interesting aspects, like the beginning of the film where the Ghostbusters have become children's entertainers, that you know that that stuff's yeah. I mean, Christ, you even got the montage where they um, where they're back in business, and it's the montage of them doing stuff. Yeah, you, you know, like where in the first one, you know, it's like with that, it's the courtroom. In the second one, it's the courtroom. And then it's the montage. So it's like the big, yeah, we're here and this is real thing. And in the first one, it's the uh, the, the hotel, mm. uh, you know, and Slime is there and whatnot. And then it's the montage of them doing that stuff. You've got the shit heel character who wants to shut them down. You know, it, it, it's the, the, the bare bones narrative structure. It is the exact same film. Yeah. But... <laughs> Bill Murray is always entertaining to watch. The guys are always entertaining to watch. Uh, the I like the bad guy. I like um, uh, Vigo, or whatever his name is. Um, I like Peter McNichol as his, like, servant. Yeah, um, monthly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got a couple of nicely creepy images in there. That one where um, he goes to check on her. Like, uh, like he goes round to her apartment, and then you just see the shot down the hallway, and his eyes are like headlights. Mm. You know, I like that, and the him as like the ghost nanny. I, I <laughs> that's that's brilliant. I, I really, I like, I, I think it's a like I actually think that's a bit creepy for just how fucking subversive that image is of him dressed up as an old woman, but a ghostly old woman. I, 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 I like that. Um, but, yeah, it just... I I have a perfectly entertaining time watching it. I watched it for, like, all the way through, hour and a half, and I had a good time. But 
you know, people say how cynical sequels are and how, like, Hollywood's running out of ideas. It's like this whole thing with how, um, you know, Soderbergh's saying, like, and Lucas and Spielberg have been saying that Hollywood's crumbling and whatnot. You know, that argument is had, or cinema's dying. That argument's had, like, every ten years, like, basically like clockwork, the exact same, the exact same thing. It is. Um, The the problem is, is my issue with people like, like Soderbergh, Lucas, Spielberg saying it, it, them saying it, it's like, hang on a minute, no it's not, it's you guys have run out of ideas. It, it, Cinema yeah. hasn't run out of ideas. Cinema will keep on coming up with new and fresh ideas. They just might not get $100 million budgets. Yeah, no one's give $100 million to something nobody knows anything about. Yeah, it does kind of feel like that. And in the end of the day, Christ, Lincoln's still got a major release. It still cost a shitload of money, mm. like, for what it was. Um, you know, I, but, I mean, that, you know, and uh, frankly, Red Tails, Lucas had been working on that for 30 years, and it was a crock of shit. So, oh, yes. you know, it doesn't help when the film's bad in Lucas's case. But anyway, my, my point for that is that the argument that, like, sequels and Hollywood is creatively bankrupt... You could look at that now, but Christ, 89, you know, it's 14 years ago, and you had Ghostbusters 2, which is, it is very, very lazy, but it just so happens the elements in it are still entertaining to watch. You've got, that's the thing, you've got, you know, Bill Murray is, he he just fits that character so well. You've got scenes in there, for instance, the bit where they go to investigate the thing, and he's taking the photographs of Vigo and he's doing all that and it's just that's just right Bill go and do your thing uh, well, uh, as, as well as that I mean there's one moment where um, he kind of cajoles them into letting him come along to checking out her place yeah. and she sees him and he just turns around and goes hi Dana you know, it, it just, it, it's, it's literally in a kind of dramatic soap opera way. It's, it's little things like that that you know they just, yeah, you, know, you say they let him do his thing. And I can see why he's so apprehensive about Ghostbusters 3, because it, it, like Ghostbusters 2, it basically does look like if he wasn't allowed to do that stuff, he would have just walked off set. Yeah, it, it, but he does feel like he's, He's in a different movie. Yeah. He's, he has a different agenda with this movie. He felt a little bit like that. Like, he's doing very much his own thing. Like, they've given him a script and he's gone, I don't like that. And they've gone, well, will you, will you, will you at least sort of say some of it? And he's picked it back up and gone, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what do you do? I don't know. I'll, I'll do something. And they've gone, Oh fuck it! All right, Bill, just, 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 okay. And he's just gone on, and he's he said whatever, and it, it just happens to work. Yeah, yeah, quite. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it just—it's not as good as the first. Oh god, it's not even a patch on the it's first. Not a patch, no. But it's not as bad as some people seem to think it is. I don't think it's train wrecky or anything it's like not. that. It, I think it, it was a bit of bandwagon jumping, I think, on this one. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, I think you might be right there. Um, I mean, do I want to see a Ghostbusters 3? No. Um, I, to be honest, Christ, I don't want to see Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Ah. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd's Dan Aykroyd's ass. Ah. Hi, Mike. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it just, it, it, I think that would be depressing. 
I think Ghostbusters 3 would be an in- incredibly depressing experience. Um, and, 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 but, I mean, like, with Ghostbusters 2, they, they just kind of ended it. And it but, I, I don't know, it, it does feel like they weren't trying hard enough. And I, to, to an extent, I can see why people have such a problem with it. But, yes, I agree. I think there is a fair bit of, oh, Ghostbusters 2, yeah, it's fucking shit. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of our oh, sequels are shit, aren't they? Yeah. Like, not really. <laughs> but, I mean, but I mean, the thing is, if it wasn't for these people, I could kind of see the point. But it's yeah. still these people in these roles at that time. Plus, you got uh, Peter McNichol putting on an accent. <laughs> Which never works. <laughs> also, as well, my one, my one big point of it is that Sigourney Weaver's uh, character went from Ghostbusters 1 being uh, in an orchestra and played, was it cello she yeah, played? Yeah, yeah, I think so. In, in, in like a world-renowned orchestra, right? She went then, within the space of a few years, to being allowed to be a restorer of classic painting. Yeah, that's pretty funny, actually. I'm pretty sure that. you'd need to have a lot of fucking <laughs> training to do that all the other things she did and you wouldn't be able to do them at exactly the same time <laughs> so it's a little bit like really that's a jump um no that's a very good point um and, and she's just like oh no I'm good and he's like Dana what are you going to do after this and she's like I'm, yeah I'm going to go back to the orchestra it's like what so this is just what, just something you, you do to blow off some steam, is it? Yeah, you, you, you handle paintings that are worth tens, hundreds of thousands of pounds, and you're just like, yeah, I drew some stuff once. Yeah, yeah, like art. It's all right. I don't know. It's yeah, it's funny, but um, yeah, that's that's Ghostbusters too. And um, I will say, by the way, um, I, I am drinking. I did that whole retweet just ten times, and I drink tonight. I, I am drinking. And I'm nearly two pints to the good, but um, I'm not feeling too drunk, and I'm wondering if maybe it's because I'm not shouting because Donna's in bed. <laughs> could be, could be. It, it, it's the it's the parental sympathy restraint you're showing already. Oh god, yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's let's move on, shall we? Um, yep. At a time when America was ready to party. Look, if you really want to score, I got the guy. Barbie! I don't nickel and dime, you want it or not. We'll take it. You know how much money you can make with this stuff back east? One man knew just what to do about it. Seems really risky. Eric, she's a stewardess. They don't check her bags. I need more. I need more. Can't believe we're stealing a plane. How much will you be needing? Where did you get this stuff? Colombia. I can't feel my face. Senor Escobar wants to see you. We're going into business together. I want to start right away. How much bigger can we get? Sky's the limit. Three million. I counted it twice. Two point five. I'm sure. Where do I put it? Try to close it. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Hello. Hello. I'm George. I know who you are. El Americano. I'm great at what I do, Dad. I mean, I'm really great at what I do. Let me tell you something, George. You would be great at anything. Anything. 
I bring you in. This is how you pay me back. This is business. Who introduced you to Pablo Escobar? Huh? Me. You need to straighten your life out. You got that you. Take it easy, George. You have a daughter now. You can get split up. Okay, so that was a clip from the trailer for, or that was probably the whole trailer, who knows, for uh, Blow, uh, the last part of the right, uh, the, the uh, double indemnity marathon. Uh, true story of... Um, George she, Young. Yeah, there you go, George Young, played by, thank you, uh, played by uh, Johnny Depp. Um, and he started... Smelling, uh, smelling weed, smoke. Jesus, I've got way more drunk in the last couple of minutes, apparently. Um, what's around? Yeah, I think that might be it, actually. Um, he started selling weed uh, on Venice Beach, I believe, and uh, quickly... Uh, uh, Manhattan Beach. Uh, is it? Yeah, Manhattan Beach in California. Oh, fair play. Um, and um, quickly started selling coke. Um, Blow, Mark, what do we think on this one? Um, I um a well, I, I said when we watched Mancurian Candidate that I watched Mancurian Candidate and I'd seen it before and I really enjoyed it and then when I watched it again I really didn't like it. I'd seen Blow before um, and um, really liked it. Um, I have a I have a small kind of obsession um, with um, the sort of Medellin um, cartel and Pablo Escobar. Um, and the whole idea of, of the fact that you have these um, Southern American um, people and cartels and stuff that make this extraordinary amount of money, uh, which I'll come to later on the, the Pablo Escobar bit, um, which I'll talk about after it links into what I was talking about earlier. Um Anyway, um, so I'd, I'd read um, Bruce Porter's book that the film's based on, and I knew a little bit about Sort of George Young before I watched this back in 2001. Um, and I, so I really, I really liked it then. Uh, this is I, the first time I've watched it for maybe, I mean, it, I'm going to say it must be about 10 years since I watched this film. Um, I again really liked it. Uh, it's, it's also. It's a sprawling kind of biopic that covers um, decades, uh, and it, it's it has that um, that runs from peaks to troughs, that excessiveness, and then that the ridiculousness of how these guys go from being fabulously wealthy and having everything to having nothing in literally the you know the drop of a hat, uh, and that's that's the life they've taken on, and you know they are. They're essentially the the kind of anti-heroes, the guys that you get behind, and you know they're working a supply and demand market. Um, it just so happens to be that what they're supplying and the demand for it is, is illegal. Um, right. 
I again still really like the blow. Um, it's it, it's from that that portion of Johnny Depp, you know, before um, he put on a pirate hat and became a parody of yeah. himself. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's very easy um, to forget quite how good um, Johnny Depp was. And, and there's a bit of a Johnny Depp backlash now because of the the pirates thing. But you know, from really from Edward Scissorhands onwards to maybe to just after this, um, he, he he was making interesting, really great. You know, not often not great films, but really interesting films and great characters and. You know, he had stuff like um, Donny Brasco a few years before this was another great, you know, mafia drugs kind of gang film. And then this as well. And, you know, I'd argue to say that this, there's arguments to say that this was his last great performance. And it's quite, it's quite sad, really, that, that I'm saying that all these years later. Because. That's- if you'd have said to me, 2001, uh, you know, name me your five favourite actors, uh, Johnny Depp would have been in that. If you were now to say to me, name me your 20 favourite actors, uh, Johnny Depp probably still won't be in it. Maybe, maybe Public Enemies, maybe that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought he was fine in this. Um, but he didn't particularly grab me. I mean, to be honest, the film itself didn't really grab me. Uh, this was my second time watching this film. I'd seen it years ago. Um, and I just... It's very, very, very conventional in its yeah. rise and fall. And then there's stuff about him trying to connect with his daughter and how much he loves his daughter... Yeah, that bit's a little bit... That's The ending's a little bit brutal. Yeah, which it just... I kind of thought it was interesting that they didn't just go in the, like, the fall of him and that was it, and they actually tried to do something else, but what they were trying to do wasn't all that great. And also, I like, why am I supposed to care that this guy loves his daughter? You know, I feel sorry for his daughter... Especially having uh, the one of the most ridiculous like Penelope Cruz in her typical early noughties, just shit character roles in English speaking <laughs> films. Just she's very she's just very shouty, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. It, it's like she looks at him, they eye fuck, and then they marry, and then she's a bitch. Um, they they skirt over a, a vast amount of years, um, and they miss the fact that while he was um, for like those four or five years, while George was very clean and very much um, a doting father, um, she wasn't. She was she was still very much part of the the cocaine scene. Yeah, yeah, no, abs- absolutely. It, it just. I don't know if I mean like I wasn't a massive fan of the look of love but if you're going to do a, a a relationship between like uh, uh, an immoral figure and his daughter I don't know kind of do it like that like, what I would say is, is the um, the Emma Roberts the bit where she goes to see him in prison that fucking kid gets you know right now 
Emma Roberts has a boyfriend who will get that fucking look and will be like, oh shit, I am in trouble. Yeah. Because when, when she says the... And it's, a, it's a horrible, clunky line and it's, you've got to blame that on Nick Cassavetes or David McKenna of the, I thought you couldn't live without your heart. And then she puts the phone down. But the look that she gives him is just, fucking hell, that's a, that's a hurtful look, that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it just, I don't know, there are elements of this film that I, I, I think are decent. I mean, like, I like the, I like the initial half hour where it's kind of like the good times when you've got that peppered with, like, the Franco Patente's character dying from cancer. Mm. Um, even though, like, that whole kind of, like, their doomed love thing is a bit, uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think she's good, and I like that kind of melancholic aspect to it, and I like how that is trying to, like, show that this is, you know, he is a drug dealer who, you know, is a person or whatever, but when it, it gets... In, the thing is with, like, the cocaine kind of stuff, it's like the whole cocaine thing and the aspect... The, the whole thing around it is people become dickheads. You know, it, it, it that is cocaine, and that is cocaine on film, and... Mm there's not an awful lot interesting you can do with it unless you go fucking mental like Scarface and to an extent like what Wolf of Wall Street looks like it's going to do. This is a little bit Scarface light at points. Yeah, sure. Um, And there's a few bits in it where kind of names were changed and and you're kind of watching it going, I I was kind of watching it going, I don't understand why they changed his name. You know, the fact that it's George Young and it's Pablo Escobar, uh, but Diego Delgado is um, Carlos uh, Rivas, is the actual guy's name. Mm. I don't understand why they changed his name. It doesn't... It doesn't I, I don't, I'm, I, I, I'd love to watch a makeup to find out if there's a reason for why they changed his name. Because... It, well, it could be because he's still alive, actually. Um... But yeah, so it, 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 that 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 kind of baffles But let's say I have a bit of a a bit of a a weak point for films like this. Um, yeah, I know what you do. <laughs> with, um, savages. Yeah. You know, if you give me two hours or two and a bit hours of um, of drug smuggling and stuff like that and drug excess and stuff like that, for some reason, maybe because I watched Scarface a lot when I was young. That maybe it, it, there's there's some kind of fucking mother's milk thing there that that, that kind of hits me, yeah. and that's what I get with 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 this, and that's what I enjoyed about about this. And also, there was some interesting directorial um, sort of flourishes within it as well. I mean, there's, there's a bit where he kind of goes for like one scene only. He goes a little bit French New Wave. Which scene? There's a scene. Uh, there's a scene where uh, George and Barbara are talking on the beach, and he it, it, it starts as a wide shot, and then it starts to pull focus in, but it kind of twists as it's coming in. Oh yes, okay. And it's kind of like it's just for that one scene, and it is a little bit like it, like to me it was maybe bored. I was trying to go, well, it is supposed to be the '60s, so I'll use this, and then later on I'll. I'll move it on more 80s tropes and then, you know, I'll go through it like that and then just change his mind. Like, halfway through it. Mm. Um, 
you know, you've got some sort of good sort of character actors cropping up in it as well. You know, with people like Paul Rubens, is is in there and he's amusing. Really Otter plays really Otter, um, and it's always nice to see Ethan Supley and stuff back when he was fat. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, like like I say, I mean that that um, that that first bit is, is decent for me, and I, I I do like the father relationship. I must say, um, I, I I think that's actually a um, I, I think that's actually a fine, uh, you know, a number of scenes that they, that they have together. Um, I, I like that. I even like the stuff with the mum as well. Um, it, it, oh, she's she's a knobhead. Yeah, even though she is like a one-note knobhead, uh, I, I will very much agree with that. But um, I, I I like that it's not just oh we love you and you're my son. You know, even though. I suppose, in a way, all it's doing is basically the opposite of what other films would do, where the mum's the loving one and the dad's the arsehole. Yeah, you know. But I, mean, I, I but then again, I like I'm, that it makes that effort. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I might be remembering, but I'm pretty sure that um, the real George Young, his real mum, literally did used to leave them loads and actually went off and had a kid somewhere else. Yeah. But she also just left completely. Classy. I'm pretty sure that is what it is, but they did used to leave, and it did used to be, you know, she did used to have just affairs and stuff all the time, like it, it blatantly as well. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, that is that is tragic. In fairness, like that, that's the yeah. I, I think also, I think part of my um, the reason why I, this maybe gets more of a pass from me is the thing is is there are more interesting people in this film that haven't had films made about them yet that's an, that's an interesting point because and this will come to a point now I might as well get into this because I've like a logical place to get into it now you've got and it, a very big deal is made of the fact that at one point they go and they meet um, Pablo Escobar yeah. who let's be honest is one of the most notorious um, drug smugglers of all time. Mm. Um, and for good reason that he's one of the most notorious drug smugglers of all time. Because at one point, this guy was producing 90% of the cocaine in in, in the world. Um, I mean, I, I remember reading um, a, a book, his brother wrote a book about him. Um, and their accountants' bills show. This isn't a joke. This is actual accountants' bills show for one of the um, shadow corporations they had. They were spending two and a half thousand US dollars a month, right, mm. on elastic bands to wrap round the money they were making. Okay, now, yeah, um, <laughs> they were. It was. It was something. Is that really true? That is that, honestly that is true. It is that is an actual, an actual. What is it? They uh, were in. They were actually they were writing off a year as, um, you know, like you know, like you have spoilage in in companies, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. profit and loss. They were writing off cash, um, and like tens of millions of dollars because uh, where they were storing it, uh, the mice were eating it. I mean, it is when you know it, it was it, apparently uh, Pablo Escobar had known at one point 
was worth 25 billion. This was in the late 80s. Not now knocking that on for uh, inflation. 25 billion in the late 80s. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. That is staggering. Um, How much, and how much cocaine these guys were, were, were pushing through is just, is unreal. The amount of cocaine that Pablo Escobar was was moving. It was something ridiculous, like um, a, a month or a, or a week or something like that. It was like eighteen thousand tons of cocaine a week. I think it was. Mm. There was they were they were moving. It is unbelievable. And the fact that as well, he was elected into office of Colombian government at one point. Um, Pablo Escobar. Um, the guy who played um, Diego, not the guy who played, sorry, the character Diego, Carlos Adia, you know when the, the, he has the island, Norman's Clay, in Flow? Yeah. That's an actual island that Carlos Adia bought. They basically bought up the entire island um, and they were essentially, they were running, they were flying, they were using it as a base to smuggle cocaine into America. Adia. Using the airport they had there. And they had you know, they had a marina, uh, it had hotels on it, an airstrip, and all this stuff. And for like four or five years, it was the, it was just a drug trafficking island. Um, and the thing is, is nobody has made this movie. Yeah. Nobody has made a movie. And Pablo Escobar, he built hospitals, he built schools, he built football pitches, he gave away a lot of money and it is yeah it's a Robin Hood thing you know he also killed a lot of people mm. he wasn't a nice guy he was an he was an evil control freak but he also he did do a lot of good in you know Medela right mm. now there is there has been a script and there is a script and also he was he was essentially murdered by a well murdered assassinated correction by the American government, in cahoots with a gang that were the uh, Cali cartel, which were the cartel that was trying to take over his supply and export business. So it was one of those where you help us kill Escobar um, and we'll maybe turn a blind eye to this for a few years. Yeah. Right. About 2006-2007... Oliver Stone picked up uh, the rights to do the Escobar um, Killing Pablo movie, which was basically the Pablo Escobar biopic. Do you know who Oliver Stone handpicked to direct this movie? Penny Marshall. Yes, exactly. But unfortunately, she was busy. Um, so he went to his second choice, which was Joe Carnahan. Oh, shit it off. Okay. Joe Carnahan is still attached to the Killing Pablo movie, which is uh, uh, which is partly the Mark Bowen, I think it is, uh, Matt Bowen, maybe, I think, uh, who wrote Killing Pablo, uh, which is about the uh, CIA's hunt for um, Pablo Escobar, and Escobar, the book written by Pablo Escobar's brother Ricardo, which is basically from the start to finish his life. Hmm. Please, for God's sake, 
will somebody just fucking give Joe Carnahan 60, 70 million or whatever to make this movie? I don't care if it doesn't make its money back, right? I know that that is no reason for why you should get that money, but this is a film where it might make its money back, but it's one of those where it will slowly make its money. It won't make a massive profit, yeah. but it will recoup what it makes. But also, it's a fucking story that needs telling. This will make, in the right hands, an incredible movie. A truly incredible movie. And somebody like Carnahan can pull it off. So, please, somebody get his fucking movie made. <laughs> I've been waiting for like five, six years, not longer, like five or six years for this movie to get made. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Please, Joe, please get it made. I know you don't listen to the show, but please. Nice. You really should, because we love you. Yes, we do. We do. Even if, even if you are tweeting saying that you're loving the creative freedom of t- TV and film would never get you this, blah, blah. Make it a fucking TV series. I don't care. Just make it. I'll even watch it if it's on TV and I don't like TV. That's, are, you, are you okay? I'm, 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 okay. I'm upset that I haven't seen that movie yet. <laughs> Fucking hell, and you're banging things. I know, that's how upset I am. Honestly, I just, like I say, it's a little bit of an obsession for me. That's <laughs> yeah. On that note. <laughs> on that note, uh, Ian, explain what our. Sorry, uh, well, I'm going to say definitely not shit. Yeah, definitely not shit, but I'm. Less enthused. Less enthused. Cool. Right here, do you want to explain what our next... Uh, Actually, do you know what, I think you should, because you came up with the name, which, fair play, it's a good yes. name. Well, um, last week, um, dear listeners, um, Ian um, spoke about Do the Right Thing. Um, and I happened to mention to Ian, you know, that you know that I was a big Spike Lee fan for his early films, and thought, you know, that he essentially, from, you know, 86, with She's Gotta Have It, up until really, I, I would say ninety nine. Really, yeah, ninety nine with Summer of Sam. Um, that he, he really probably didn't make a bad film. And then we always have sort of problems um, with um, with coming up with these ideas uh, for what we're going to do. Excuse me um, for, um, for for these marathons. And it hit me: we need to do a Spitely marathon. So, we're going to do a Spike Lee marathon, but we're not just going to cover Spike Lee film. It's called Spike Er Lee. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I'd say we cover, we're going to cover five films, so we're probably looking at She's Gotta Have It, Do the Right Thing, Jungle Fever, Clockers, and probably Girl Six. Oh, blimey, Charlie. What was. Did that fast. What, what are we doing? I, this isn't set in stone, these are just ones that I'm yeah, just it, it, Just possibly. go ahead, go. She's got to have it. Yeah. Which is his debut. Yeah. Maybe do the right thing again where we can get properly balls deep into it. Um, or maybe not. Yeah, no, just because I, like, I literally only watched it a week or two right, ago. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go, she's got to have it. Um, Jungle Fever. Okay, great. Malcolm X. Yeah, because yeah, I've never seen, a lot of these I've never seen. Uh, Clockers. Yeah. 
and Girl 6. Actually, do you know what? Every single one of these I've not seen. Have you not? Oh, you're in for some treats. I am. So School Days, Do the Right Thing, Jungle no, Fever. She's got to have it, not School Days. Oh, okay. So she's got to have it. Uh, Jungle Fever, yep. Malcolm X, yep. Clockers, yep. Girl 6. Yep. Boom. Because, I mean, we've got some, we've covered some pretty good stuff. I mean, have a look. Just have a look at who produced um, Clockers. Oh, tell me it was Wallace Shawn. Produced by Wallace Shawn. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Sweet. Yeah, it's uh, it's very good. And Girl 6 is a comedy. About a phone sex operator. Blimey, that is a horrible fucking DVD cover or poster. It really is. Jesus. um, Yeah, it's it's an interesting film. But yeah, uh, I'm 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 you know I'm really looking forward to getting back into this. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 pretty pumped. I'm I'm. So I've never ever seen Malcolm X. That might be an excuse to get the flu. It, it's a good film. Yeah. Very good film. Well, nice. what it was that I remember it, but bear in mind I haven't seen it in nearly twenty years. Blimey. So this will be like I, I loved all these films when I was growing up. Uh, now I'm grown up. Will I still love them? We'll see. Oh, we'll see. Oh my. Right. Blimey. Right, okay. So, uh, let's do some questions. And I asked uh, fairly early this week, so I think we've got a fair few. Yeah, I've got a few, I think, yeah. Uh, okay, so starting off with at Cinematronics, Chris Byrne. What is the best and the worst film you've seen this year so far? Worst is Dracula 3D. Without question. Uh, and best currently for me is Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, I'm going Place Beyond the Pines as well. And that blue, that steelbook is beautiful. Yes, it is. Uh, even though I may. It, it, before Midnight is battling it at the moment, I will say. I'm seeing that in a couple of weeks, so. Um, now, let's go by. Search 2013 and search a half star. Okay, so half stars I've given this year to Aftershock, The Host, and Dracula 3D. Yeah, Dracula 3D just because it's longer than Aftershock. (laughs) But that is literally the only reason. They're both on a par. Um, that actually feels kind of mean to the host to have it. Do you know what, actually? The host, I'm going to edit right now to a star because if those two are half stars, if if those two are half stars, that feels harsh. And what I will say is I've not seen that many films that I would classify as being bad films this year. I've been quite lucky so far. I mean, what what have I given one star? Let's have a look. Fuck, it's doing for. So. Yeah, I, I've still not watched Aftershock. I will watch it just because I want to. Uh, I, I want to I, I see 
if I had exactly the same reaction as you. That, that, film just, that film just made me so angry. It's yeah, the I, laziest it type of horror, and it, it like with really, really dodgy self uh, sexual politics. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It is a bit rapey. Oh, fucking! Oh, actually, there was a bit in World War Z that, that, that were those guys trying to rape his wife. Yeah. In the yeah, that what that was pointless. Um, there's a bit of in the fur that there never was. There's a bit of wife rapey stuff as well. Is it? Is there some kind of quarter there trying to? Has someone sat down a couple of years ago and gone? Not enough raping films at the moment. And someone else goes, I noticed that, yeah. <laughs> right, we need to have a rape quota. Uh, we need to have three rapes for every five films, alright? Okay, right, go out and get rapey. Could be that. Um, I, 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 I don't think so. Um, sorry, um... In, do you know what the host my review of it on Letterboxd a stunningly boring piece of poop with barely a positive aspect to it bollock yoghurt of the sourest kind that yeah. sounds like a half a star I'm leaving it at a half a star it is it is incredibly dull and incredibly boring and I, I'll be honest when it was Bill Mag in the host I did think it was a um, a Sky TV special yeah that, that, yeah it's it's a te- fucking terrible film um, but I watched it quite drunk as well um, Aftershock, yeah. Um, the thing is, a couple of people actually uh, commented on my letterbox saying that they thought it was all right. Um, so who knows? But my my only one star out of film twenty thirteen film was uh, movie forty three. Oh, that's a piece of shit. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> there were a couple of moments in movie forty three that I was actually okay with. Yeah. Um, but then you'd have uh, it looks like uh, Red Dawn and The Purge. Uh, I gave one and a half stars, two stars, After Earth, Black Rock, Last Exorcism Part 2, Upstream Colour. Uh, <laughs> I've still not watched that. Um, <laughs> you, you really don't like it, do you? Uh, Upstream Colour, I mean, it just the first half hour I actually think is interesting and it completely crawls up its own ass. But um, That's what I'm, I, I, I'm worried about. I'm really worried about watching that because I'm worried that I'll go... That, that, I'm, I'm worried that not only will I not like it, will I actively really dislike it for a certain reason. George, um, George is evangelic about Upstream Colour. I'll yeah. say I gave I gave Upstream Colour and To the Wonder the same rating as a haunted house. <laughs> wow. So uh, there's that. Um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, my best film, uh, Place Beyond the Pines, Before Midnight, Spring Breakers are my top three so far. Uh, okay, here we go next. Um, at Glen T. Chapman, how would you go about surviving the zombie uprising? Remember, you're in the UK, so guns aren't easy to come by. I have a plan for this. Go on. Uh, drive out um, to... Because you're going to have to drive somewhere. Drive out to a motorway service station. Because they're miles away from populated areas. Uh-huh. Um it's unlikely because their people have been travelling. It's unlikely that zombies are going to open a travel towards these places, and they've also got stocks of food. They're easy to lock up, etc. Um, and you can see anything coming 
from quite far away, you see it on the roofs and stuff. That's where I'd go. I'd hold up there for a while and see how things, see how the land lays. I'd die really horribly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bleak outlook. I would. I would. I'd like to think I'd die protecting Donna and um, and our unborn child, but I I can't even promise that. Uh, you well now you've got a plan. You drive to a motorway service station. Yeah, I'll come and join you. You will do. Yeah, because as well petrol. There's petrol there as well. That's a good point. So you've got petrol miles away. Yeah, but from we wouldn't be there, driving right? anywhere though. Why? What do you mean, why? Because we'd be at the service station. No, but if you never needed to get away from there quickly. Well, and then you could drive to another service station. Well, that's true, I suppose. Yeah, they, they're like outposts. They're like little, like little miniature outposts. Just dotted about. A great idea. Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, that's, where I, that's where I'll be living when the zombie apocalypse strikes. <laughs> I just die. Um, sorry, I'm going to try and get some more energy going on. At Mondo Dan, with quite an energetic question. Who bomb put the bomb in the bumper bumper bomb? Also, who put the ram in the ramalama ding dong? Um, M Night Shyamalan. Um, I'm the annoying one from Greece. Which one's the annoying one? All of them. Oh. All of them are annoying in Greece. I thought you meant Jeff Conway. Nah, just all of them. All of them are annoying in Greece. It's Fair enough. Horrible, hateful place. Uh, Thomas DJ at Nocturne Tom DJ. Uh, DJ, actually, I think it is, sorry. Um, I, I believe of the Better in the Dark podcast. Um, okay, if you could oppose, impose one rule on movie theatres to help maintain a decent viewing experience for all, here we go, what would it be, and what would the punishment for violating said r- same rule be? Um, frankly, yeah. no talking above a whisper. As I, I, I will let the whisper, you have ten seconds maximum, and you may do it three times during the course of a film. I would have cameras in all um, cinemas um, that record the audience, right? Uh, And I would have an usher at the door. I'd have an usher in the fucking cinema, if I could, right? That says, as you walk in, or you say when you buy your ticket, they actually say to you, right, please, don't use your phone at all. If you can't go two hours without checking your phone to see if you've got a text message, then don't come to the cinema. Don't talk unless it's absolutely essential. If you break any of these rules, you'll be chucked out and you will never be allowed back into the cinema. Yeah, that would be my punishment. Just complete banishment from any cinema. Yep. You would, and it would literally, there would be a photograph of you given out, like they give out to people who've robbed places. A little file that everyone has to look through to see the people that are local to that area that are not allowed into the, into the cinema. Because it, it, it is, it is just ridiculous. If you if we if you can't not check your phone for two hours, then why are you in a cinema? I, it, it, oh, it fucking baffles me. Really, really does. Why you would pay 
it's, it's not cheap to go to the cinema. Why you would pay money to sit, but you're more interested in what's happening in your pocket than what's going on on the screen. Mm. If you're not liking the film, go outside. Leave. Because it's the same as stopping every two minutes to check your fucking phone. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's completely fair, man, to be honest. Yeah, no, absolutely. It just... The, the phone thing is is the thing, even though it just like I just want people to shut the fuck up. Yeah, uh, the phone thing just it annoys the shit out of me, and I'm I'm sorry, I, I know it might disturb people, but I have no problem with people if somebody within the vicinity of where I can quietly say to them, if somebody gets a phone out, I have no problem with tapping them and going, can you put that away, please. Mm. I have no problem with being a douchebag because usually I'm in the cinema on my own, so you know. I, I, I have no problem with people thinking that I'm a dickhead. Mm. Quite like it. It means people don't talk to me. <laughs> um, okay, and that's it for the Twitter questions, but we do actually have oh, an email. I've got another, I've got another, I've got, I've got oh. a couple of questions. Really? Uh, Orange okay. Warrior. Oh, yeah. Um, what does summer have left? Uh, do you prefer small blockbusters in the later months uh, <laughs> or British comedies? Um, Peg Partridge, perhaps. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to Partridge in the World's End, but I'm also looking forward to Pacific Rim and, to an extent, The Lone Ranger. Um, Kick-Ass 2 uh, could hopefully be good. Um, I, I don't know. I you know, it, it, yeah. In terms of the summer movies, I'm looking that I'm looking forward to the left um, of the summer movies. Uh, Pacific Rim, and uh, I, I hadn't actually seen the Alpha Papa trailer until I saw it before uh, World War Z. Uh, and I'm not the biggest Alan um, Partridge fan, but after that trailer, I was very much, you know what? Yep, I'm. And if you just said to me, I'm, I, you, you'll be more looking forward to the Alan Partridge movie than the um, World's End. I'd have, I'd have told you, go fuck yourself. I can't but say I, that, but I am Siege Face is great. I, I'm, I'm much more looking forward to uh, that than I am World's End. I, I've got a really bad feeling about that film. And just the more I see of it, the, the, the more I think that that just looks crap. Three weeks. We've only got three weeks. But yeah, I am Siege Face was brilliant. Mm. Um, so and the uh, uh, and the the I've not been off telly that long. There's just some great lines in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, seeing Alan Partridge in that kind of a scenario to me is gold. Yeah. Sorry, he's tugging me off. <laughs> oh, come on! You're better than that. It just if it's I I don't know I like the thing is it's like they say that like having just the small screen character on the big screen for ninety minutes and just doing a small screen thing is shit. I'm actually kind of up for that with Partridge. I, I just I, I could watch him for an hour and a half no problem. Yeah, I I I I am actually really looking forward to it. Even though I will say I would have still preferred the film to have been called Colossal Velocity. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think either of them worked to be honest. Uh, or Hectic Danger Day was pretty Hectic good as Danger well. Hectic Danger Day was pretty good, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Alpha Papa, actually. It's got, I think that's out the same day as Lone Ranger. That would be an interesting double bill. Yeah, also, we have another question from um, Orange Warrior. Oh, yeah? Uh, which he asked, uh, why aren't blockbusters fun anymore? Where's the joy in adventure? They are fun. <sighs> Sorry, Duncan, they are. I think they are, but I do think that they try to have more serious tangents to them. I think I think people's perception of them is less fun than it used to be. 
I think people need to try harder, and that includes yeah. you, Duncan. I think people need to try and join these films more. I thought Man of Steel was fun. I thought uh, I thought Fast Six was two Fast and a bit six. hours of Fast Six is a lot of smiley fun. face. Yeah, I thought Iron Man Three was really fun. I think cool. Pacific Rim's going to be really fun. Oh, I, I'm actually I wasn't before, uh, and I actually got mocked. Um, and chastised for not being up for Pacific Rim, and I'm actually kind of really up for it now. Yeah, oh, two weeks. I can't wait. I'm, I'm kind of going back through Rim the Ultimate Road stuff now, and the Rim Fest. Two weeks till Rim Fest. Um, but yeah, I think they are fun. Um, it just, but then again, next year with Transformers 4 coming out, I'll probably be saying the exact, dif- uh, exact <laughs> opposite, so, you know. Swings and roundabouts. Absolutely. Uh, do we have anything else? We had a we had a question on our oh, uh, email, didn't we? Yeah, John Dangerfield. Um, yeah. Asks one: What film would you like to direct, and what movie would you like to star in? So, uh, what are we just saying? Like any film that's actually similar in existence? I think I think that is it. Yeah. Alright, uh. I'd love to have directed. Um. I'd love to have directed something like Apocalypse Now. I think I've got to say, actually, it's my favourite film. But to have directed something that insane. And that ridiculous. And that over the top. And that. Just fucking uncategorizable. Um, it would would just have been incredible. I mean, the fact that the story of making Apocalypse Now is as interesting a story as Apocalypse Now um, just speaks absolute volumes for Apocalypse Now. I would have liked to have directed It's a Wonderful Life because the residual checks would have been fat. And it was and, and it was a bomb on its on its original release. It only became a a big kind of hit. Once it went into syndication for cable in America in the um, sort of mid sixties, but uh, like was, the the money must still roll in. To oh, the it relatives. must absolutely still roll in. And if any cunt watches that on the colorized version, I swear to God, I'll come to your house and stab you at Christmas. There you go. Um, what movie would I like to star in? What movie would I like to star in? What, uh, what movie has Jennifer Lawrence been naked with a man in? She hasn't actually been naked in any movies yet. Okay, uh, what movie would I like to star in? Uh, I think, um, wasn't Reese Witherspoon naked in Freeware? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, do you know what? I, I rewatched this in the week as well. I would have, I, I would have, I would like to be Carl Urban in Dread. Because my face wouldn't be on camera, but I'd have a fucking riot. Yes, you would. Uh, I, well, I'd, uh, Rambo. First Blood. Fair play, yeah. First Blood being Rambo in First Blood. I first Blood, not First Blood Part 2, eh? Uh, yeah, First Blood. Hmm. It's all about First Blood, buddy. And uh, question oh. two from John. Who would win in an arm wrestle, Ian or Mark? Ian. To be Ian. honest, I kind of thought I would as well. So. Ian. Sorry. Ian. With, with, without doubt. My, my uh, entire... Uh, Ability to fight 
it is derived from the fact that I can I can get beat up really well. Um, I just kind of figured I'm a bit bigger than you, and yeah, I, uh, I, I think I just have a bit more strength. In, you would, in yeah, that. Oh, without without question, yeah. That's there's no even argument on that. Fair play. Sorry, John. I, I bet you thought that was going to be a interesting no, one. No. It wasn't. I, I have. <laughs> you're talking to two people with absolutely no ego at all. No, I just. I, I think I would. If, if without, I didn't, fair play, but. No, without question, you would. Nice. I'm, 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 I'm very comfortable in my lack of masculinity. Oh, shut your mouth. Uh, okay, so I think that's about it. God, fucking hell, that turned into a long one again, didn't it? Um, it did, yeah. We, we've gone from celebrating how quick we are getting in, how smooth we are, to having two, like, two-hour two fucking plus episodes. But, um, yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, at Dude the Monkey, at Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, uh, the Monkey at gmail.com. Um, coming out in cinemas this week to potentially review I think our options would either be This Is The End or The East uh, Mark, Please, can we do This Is The End? Yeah, of course Christ, good, good, because when I saw The East trailer and I'm not joking it um, I thought when I first saw The East trailer that it was a funny or die video You know where Ellen Page is doing the, the speech bit and she's yeah. kind of hunched down and she's saying, we watch you we know. I thought it was going to be a funny or die video, and when it turned out to be the trailer for an actual film, I burst out laughing. Fair play. And, um, then, all, and then loads of people started going, oh, it looks really good, and I started thinking, what? Really? I, I watched the trailer again, and I was like, it really doesn't look very good. I'm going, at all. I'm going to see the East this weekend, but it is only because I've already seen This Is The End. Yeah, I'm, I will be going to see This Is The End on Sunday morning. Having spent Saturday night with five nine-year-old girls running around my house, and on that disturbing and chilling note, it is. It is, which means I, 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 I literally have no peace at all. Am I? I have to spend my entire time in my room, which is what I do anywhere. You know. I'm going to watch me some Rolling Stones on Saturday night. Oh, of course, yeah, it's the Gloucester thing, isn't it? Yeah, even though they're only showing an hour, but never mind. Anyway, you people don't want to hear about that, because you might not... Actually, it might not have been gone by then. Wow, okay, I'm just going to shut up. Thanks very much for listening, folks. Uh, Cheers. And... iTunes reviews, bring back Dread. Yeah, bring back Dread, yes, yes, yes. That does seem to have been um, getting some support. Yeah, yeah brilliant. some support, which it should do. Uh, also, as well... The best way to get them and make the Dread sequel is to go out and to buy Dread. It's really, really cheap. £6 on Blu-ray in Sainsbury's at the moment. Boom. Honestly, buy it. It is an incredibly fun film. Yeah, it is. I rewatched it uh, Tuesday and it's cracking. Good, good, good. Good, fair play, Mark. Cool. Fantastic. Beaver Monkey Leaves Zoo Quarantine. (laughs) Ha <laughs>